Hi, welcome to another episode of like, a journey through time and stuff. My like, name is fucking there. Aaron. Uh, that's a bad Irish accent. Is that, was that an Irish accent? I, I was really fucking trying to do it for a second. Oh, and you, I got, really... you got to go, you, you got to be like a little more like this. You got to be oh, like, you're oh, you're right. I should turn my fucking voice up a little bit, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah. I think it brings it in a little better yeah. if I have a little bit of wisp in it. A little bit yeah, of there it is. To it. Now you got it. Oh, thank you. So this yeah. is how I should have fucking started the show. Welcome to a journey through time and stuff. Now you're like a drunk Irish. My name is fucking Aaron. Some people can call me. Um, some people call me old Aaron, uh, too tall. Some people too call tall. me, some people call me old Aaron, uh, why your feet in the way. And some people I call like you big D energy, Aaron. Oh, I, <laughs> hey, I will always appreciate the big D energy. I'm a medium D. I got that medium D energy. You know what I mean? Uh, you have, you have the medium D energy wrapped in big D aesthetics. Aesthetics. So, <laughs> so, so you're like a Honda Civic with a body kit. Nice, nice. I, yeah, is it, I'd rather be a Hyundai Elantra, but that's oh, me. Oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> massive spoiler, Hyundai Elantra. No, 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 no muffler. Just no, get rid of that. Correct, just, just correct. That. Loud, that obnoxious. Uh, everybody sees you're coming. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, today, everybody, if you don't know the name of the guest already, it is Mr. Lowell Grenard. Yes, that's me. Oh, sound effects. I got, I got, you got all poshy on me, bro. I did. I, I pulled. I pulled everything out. Yeah, and um, I pulled out. I wanted all the red. Car- I mean, you noticed the red carpet walking in. I mean, I I did. I've roll been treated it out. very well since I've been here, so I will give you that. I did. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You're you're a man of many talents. You're a man of many passions and avenues. One of which um, is rare bird hunting in the South Atlantic. Yes, uh, you you were. Um, I mean, I know you're getting ready to leave on a trip tomorrow. Actually, you have to be on the airplane at 4 a.m., but you told me you just got back from islands in the south. What rare bird hunting? What Can you give me a... Oh, yeah. See, um, I like to uh, hunt creatures that presumably don't exist. Ah. And so I was hunting uh, a pegasus for my mantle. Beautiful. And that is the rare bird. They do have wings. Um, They're I, kind of a bird. Kind, yeah. An equine bird. <laughs> An equine <laughs> bird. That is... That is so fascinating. That is so fascinating. Now, I'm going when, for a chupacabras in Texas. Yeah, yeah. When when you're hunting uh, a pegasus, peg, pegasi is is that that's singular? The plur- that's the pegasi would be plural. Okay. Um, what <laughs> what is the luring method of hunting one? Flagrant nudity. Just <laughs> that you gotta you gotta point your butthole at the sun and meditate. And the neuter, the better. The neuter, the and better. It, and they just flock to... They can't help themselves. They see this, and they just can't help themselves. So so they, they flock to you, asshole pointed at the sun. Uh, what do they do whilst they arrive upon them? <laughs> uh, do they stare in awe? Do they lick? Do they flutter their tongues back and forth gently like stare they're known to do? Stare, stare in awe. awe. They get yeah. locked. They got like deer in the headlights. Back legs slightly quivering, right? No, just kind of like still. All just a gaze affixed. That is. I draw my magic sword and uh, I ride them to Valhalla. So ah, ah, that's good. How many uh, extinct or thought extinct uh, animals have you found so far? Twenty-seven. 
You found. <laughs> I'm so glad you yes ended with me through that whole thing. I was like, let's see, where could I say he'd been? Okay, so, but you're, you're trying to throw me. It won't work. <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to throw you. I was just seeing how far you would yes and with me. Uh, cheers, me. We're drinking proper 12 whiskey. That's why I started this out Irish. Uh, yes. I had not tried Mr. McGregor's whiskey and so i bought some today and because i saw it on the shelf right next to the jameson and i they were the exact same price and i had i went okay i'll, I'll do it i mean it tastes good no and it's I, good it's like jamo with a bit of burn because the jameson i feel is too smooth it can be too smooth absolutely um it, which it gets a little dangerous i feel like this has a little bit more of a um i get a little bit more of like the peat peaty kind of warmth to it they say on the back of it if you read this or on the front i mean he's got uh, like a drop of his blood in every bottle of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's uh it says uh wow this van- tastes like potatoes vanilla and honey <laughs> and i don't get any vanilla or honey i don't either and it tastes like whiskey yeah um i, I just know this is like, i don't know if this is just like me being the old man in me, like the eternal old man, like the crotchety old man on the front porch. But like, I like my liquor. I like my booze to taste like booze. I don't want it to taste like anything else. I don't want it to taste like cinnamon. Like where we're from, we're yeah. from, we're both from Alaska, man. It's like Fireball, Fireball Nation up there. Fireball or Jaeger? I love Jaeger. Don't get me. I wrong. love Jaeger too. It gets me. It gets me like happy, piss off the table, drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see it coming. Yeah, me it's- and my wife both love Jaeger. We felt like some. Uh, like white trash superheroes, we went in and spent New Year's with some friends. I worked with these people, so even in the whole before you COVID, people get all like up in arms. Yeah, I work with these people, so like you're in the bubble. At, we're exposed, so yeah, we decided yeah. that since we are exposed, we were going to spend New Year's together. Yep, and we did. We show up with Jaeger and Rockstar, man. Like that is okay. That that is the ultimate combo. Everybody wants to go Jaeger Red Bulls, Jaeger Monsters, Ye- Jaeger Rockstar, Rockstar but. It's so. When was the last time you had a rock star? Was it New Year's? No, like about a week ago. Okay, okay. They changed the can. They did, and the flavor. It tastes different now. When, when, unless it's all mental for me. When that can changed, I noticed a. a it didn't taste change. any different to me. Okay. Um, I like. Uh, I just have to lay off the energy drinks during uh, COVID. Mid COVID, we'll call it mid COVID. Um. I started getting anxiety issues. I don't know where it came out of nowhere. It's not like I got some like deep seated things in the closet or something, but I started getting anxiety attacks. Really? Yeah, like soul crushing, chest tight, arm hurts. And then it started like the second you start thinking about it, it starts like moving down your arm. Is this a heart attack? Yeah, is this a heart attack? I have trouble breathing, uh, trouble dealing with folks. I mean, I still have pangs of it, but um, I've got it under control. I had to go get therapy. Uh, that was fun. Um, some medication. Was it okay? But by saying fun, I, I noticed the timbre in your voice changed. Oh, that was, was a sarcastic fun. Yeah, no, of course. Oh, uh, do you feel it was helpful? Therapy, no. Uh, you, doctor's you, visit, yes. Oh, but you don't think going into the therapy was helped at all? No, I have uh, been to therapy multiple times in my life, and I've never found it helpful. Hmm. I would rather just talk to someone that I'm close with and talk sure. about my problems with them. Maybe yeah. get feedback from somebody like, um, you know, my wife, I have friends that I, you know, if I have issues, my dad, um, yeah. Yeah. He, he actually, me and my dad are very close and we talk every day. That's good. And uh, he's actually going to be there when I go to Texas. And, um, but yeah, I'll just hash it out with him and he'll put it in perspective for me. Um, what, because I've, 
I don't know. It's I think, hereditary, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say because I, I just, you know, when I had COVID, that was the first time I actually got what I guess is real anxiety. I, I had, I had, ha- I get a panic attack every once and again. I think is what you could call it. Yeah, yeah. But what it is is, I'll just be sitting there. I'll be at work. I'll be doing something, and when it's quiet. And there's nothing going on. I don't have music playing in the background or anything like that. It seems like my mind just starts to race. Nothing closes in on me. For me, it closes in. It it just feels like, here's what it feels like. It feels like my mind starts going fast. And then it's it's like I'm, it's almost like I feel like, oh God, this, this is going to sound so strange. But it, it feels like I have to, as a person move incredibly fast and purposeful in all of my movements to keep up with the rest of the world. It feels like if I don't, I'm just going slow and this quietness becomes like a audible quiet. And then I just, I feel frantic. Sounds I feel like, like an ADHD attack. It's weird, man. I'll just be sitting there. If, if I put on a podcast or I put on music, immediately it's gone. And I don't feel like anything's fast anymore. But if I'm just sitting there in the quiet and it doesn't happen all the time, it just like all of a sudden everything just kind of like I just have to fucking move fast. It's so weird. And you know, so I thought that was a panic attack forever. I'm like, oh, I get panic attacks like this weird thing happens. And it only happened, you know, once a year or something like that. But then when COVID happened, when I got it and I was sick and like muscle fatigue and like crazy amount of fatigue for me and I was laying in bed and like hard to move and hard to get up in the brain fog and like i would reach for a bottle on my nightstand and just like miss it like i i my my hand eye coordination was gone and then i started getting a panic attack like what was for sure because my like it just like you said my chest tightened up and then i started getting worried about oh can i breathe right yeah and then so i started breathing really heavy right well then i'm over oxygenating (laughs) and then my fucking shoulder started hurting and it worked down the arm. Mine hurts right now. And it's like, like, oh my fuck. Like, oh, I'm, I, I got so worried. I had to go like stare at myself in a mirror and like try and stop. I was huffing in a paper bag. I, I had never experienced that before. And that's what you get all the time. Yeah. Um, it's still, I mean, I'm having a little bit of it right now. Why? Um, I don't know, man. It's like, are, is, is, are you nervous? Yeah, because I'm flying tomorrow oh. to, a, like, a place in turmoil. <laughs> so, um... Okay. Uh, so, so it's not about the podcast. No, no. Oh, this. no, 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 no. Okay, this okay. is a delightful distraction okay. in a world of panic and shame. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> panic and shame. No, yes. um, for me, what I think is setting it off, the two, is actually I kind of discovered this. It's because I have my ticker, t- ticker checked out and all this other stuff. And your and heart's my, good and everything? Heart's like powerful. Yeah. Um, well, of course. Look at the cock on you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have like a pretty good resting heart rate. And yeah. like, it's a big, meaty heart. It's going to mean, it means my life will not be as long as some others, but like, I'll have a long, healthy life. And then eventually I'll just be like, it'll just turn off. Um, That's the way to go. Well, it's just, it's it's hereditary. Yeah. Um, uh, sc- am I, I'm, f- like my father's side of the family is Scandinavian, so we tend to run really hot. Yeah, yeah. And my mom's side is Irish. Mm. Luckily, I, I managed to dodge all the Irish bullets, um, like high blood pressure, um, 
stroke risk, uh, yeah. you know, cancer. Yeah. There's a lot of unhealthy things. drive for potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, she's like Cajun Irish. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Okay. It's yeah, like yeah. four sticks of butter and everything. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, cholesterol problems, yes, diabetes. Yes. Right. Managed to dodge all these, but what I happen to have been having is a weird indigestion problems, and that seems to have triggered. It triggered the heartburn and the acid reflux trigger the panic attack because it's like it comes up here. <sighs> this feels- starts to hurt mm-hmm. and then my brain kicks in and then it like this starts to hurt and then this hurts. Um, luckily, I don't ever get any weakness or anything like that. But um, it's really strange because my thing when I have those, I kind of have a similar thing. I don't find what you said weird at all. I want to go do something that gets my heart pumping. Yes. Because yeah. it makes me feel... Like there's nothing like it's like it reassures me that I'm not going to have a heart attack because I'm walking up a hill with a hundred pound backpack dying. My heart's just blowing out of my chest and I'm still going, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I have to do that pretty much. I try to do that like every other day yeah, yeah. because it just peace of mind, but I haven't been able to do it recently because of the snow um, uh, and just general craziness of my day job or my you know like what i do for a living and all the thousand other things that i do um but i mean i get that like i want to get up and go when i yeah. are happening well but like like for me like it'll like I, it happened the other day at work and it hasn't happened in forever but i was sitting there and usually i you know i have iPod, i the airpods yeah. and so i'm constantly have one in so i can still hear my shopping going on and i always have a podcast playing there's always something playing just because i don't like if i want to listen to you know some comedy podcast or some whatever whatever it is i don't want that blaring out out of my whole shop cuz anyone else could hear it and it's not that i don't want them to hear it i just it's kind of disrespectful for them to have to hear a conversation that they didn't want to hear yeah right it's different than a song being on and fucking bob having to hear bob seeger for the 40th time (laughs) like like it's different than that you know it's an it's a conversation about a topic only i care i worked in a music store for a while i know all about the repetitive songs yeah 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 um so you know, usually I have that. And so I was at work and I was doing stuff and, uh, lifting this Jeep and like everything was kind of normal. And, and I was working and my AirPod died and I was in the middle of like a pretty technical part of doing this job. And so I didn't want to stop what I was doing. I just wanted to kind of work through and finish it. Um, and there was nothing happening, no noises. The compressors were off. Like it was just all of a sudden it was eerily quiet. And so I'm working on the thing and kind of, you know, my heart rate was already up and elevated and I was sweating a little and like, and then it just, I felt like, like I remember I had a ratchet and I was tightening a bolt and then I felt like I was going slow and I'm like, fuck, I got to tighten this fucker faster and I couldn't tighten it as fast as I felt like I could and then I started getting nervous that I was like not keeping up and it just, I felt rushed all of a sudden and then it's weird that the, like things get loud and it sounds like like noise just starts. There's no yeah, noise I there. I get it. Yeah. If if I look and I pinpoint around and I'm like focusing on something, it's almost like when you're listening to an orchestra, and you pinpoint on the clarinets or the flutes, you can you can hear them above all else. But then if you look away, then you're just hearing the whole it's orchestra, the trees, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so if I if I pay attention, like, oh wait, no, there is no sound. But then I go back to my thing. All of a sudden, it's just. The, the term that silence is deafening it just it really does just kind of rise up and 
you're, maybe it is a close in. I never thought of it like that, but I kind of it does. Everything like- gets louder and bigger, and you can't escape it because it's like it's like watching the world grow around you, and you get smaller. And you know, like I get it, dude. Yeah, and it's like a for me, it feels like a speed thing. It's not so much size. It's just like it seems like the world is a car pulling away, and mine can't quite accelerate as fast. I think this is like your psyche adapting to your perception of like, <sighs> how you see the world. Like yeah. for me, it's like. For me, like, my insecurity is what fuels me. I never feel good enough. I never feel like I've done enough. And so I'm always pushing forward and always trying to stay busy. And I think what happened is is that mentality backfired on me. Yeah. You know, not taking care of myself, not, like, dealing with myself. And this is the aftermath. Like, I felt like when I had my first panic attack, like, the defining one that triggered all this, um, I really felt like... uh, that I had the pressure valve, like the emotional pressure valve, because I haven't had any release. It was COVID. I haven't been playing live music. I, I haven't know, been like man. jamming, which was like my is my emotional release. That's how yeah, I get rid of all yeah. my bullshit. And I still really haven't. And I think this is me just like coming to terms with that. You know, like I really feel like because I haven't played live music and I haven't had that emotional burn off, that, that this is just like this is the the price. Right. I'm not being able to process things like I normally would. You know. Sure. Um, luckily, I have enough. You know, I'm, I'm definitely on the, the you recommend. Have, well, I, and and I, you know, I know you you do you do you do do a lot of stuff. <laughs> you said do do. You know, you have you have uh, your toes in a lot of pots, uh, berry pots when you're squishing them to make wine and the sorts of drinks that can ferment and help. Um, so, in through all of that. And doing that and getting positive feedback, you still just always sit there at the end of the day and tell yourself, I'm not good enough? No, that's like... Or do you feel it and that's why you do so much? No, it's at the beginning of the day I feel like that. And then I conquer the day by at least knocking out a ton of shit and then I feel good at the end of the day. Oh, but you wake up the first thing in the morning. I wake up, I fire out of bed like a bullet every morning. Gotcha, gotcha. And I I just have to start. I like to work for a couple, like basically it's really cool. I make my own schedule now. Like I, yeah. Well, well. So let's talk about that. During COVID, you uh, you went from working at Beacock Music, yeah, to no longer working there and mm-hmm. doing podcasting, and your own like basically creativity full time. Uh, essentially, I do have a job, but it's a job that I created. Um, I'm the executive director of a n- dental nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Halo Dental Network. Yeah, Halo Dental Network. And we give away full mouth restorations to people that need them. We get a lot of bang for buck, too. Like, you know, yeah. like, so basically, like, like a donation. If you donated a dollar, we could do like $10 worth of dental work with that. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's insane. Right. The, the metrics on it are absolutely bananas. But I've been doing that for like two years. Yeah. How'd doing- you get hooked up with them? Um, guitar. Ah, uh, um, I was getting a root canal because <laughs> uh, I, I I floss now, <laughs> but I, I was not the best flosser. And then yeah. you know now that I kind of work pretty daily with a dentist, my dent- dental hygiene is mm. better. It's like significantly better because I'm constantly reminded. But um, yeah, I was getting a root canal, and it was total chance that I met this guy too, and uh, Doctor Brady Smith. We were just chatting because, you know, they do this thing where they come in and you're a new patient and they get to know you and stuff. And I just got here, you know, I just my first dental appointment since I had been in the area. Mm -hmm. Because usually I haven't had like 
terrible amount of teeth problems. I mean, yeah, I had some deterioration. I got it all oh, fixed, but you right. know, it happens. Oh yeah. Um, so I was, uh, we just started chatting and he asked me where I worked. And I told him Beacock. He's like, oh, sh-. he's like, shit, man. I shop there all the time. And, you know, we started talking about guitars. And then, you know, I had follow-up appointments to that. And we talk about that. And then the th- weird thing is, is we started running into each other a lot. I ran into him at Guitar Center. He was buying a, a orange oh, amp. Weird. Yeah. Right? And I was in there with my pops uh, buying some other frivolous gear purchase. I buy gear like crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about pedal boards and doom. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, yeah, that's another thing. But, um, yeah. And then eventually, he's like, he calls me one day. Because I needed a bunch, I needed a, a, a pretty decent amount of dental work at that point, and he's just like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast where we give away free dental?" And before he could even finish what he's saying, I'm like, "Yes, absolutely, I will absolutely do this." He's like, "Oh, and I can fix your stuff," and I was just like, "It's if you do that, that's good. That would be great, but like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, let's just do this." Yeah. Um, started as a podcast. Uh, you know, Dr. Brady's pretty philanthropic and pretty generous with his dental work. He gives away a lot, just he, even before. Right. And this was his an idea that he had, but it was an idea that I believed in. It's amazing. And when I focus up and I believe in something, get the fucking way, dude, because I'm like a fucking freight train. You just, I will crush everything in my path to, to achieve a goal. And for two years, we just pounded the pavement. And then we ended up meeting Steve-O. Yeah, from, I, 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 that's, I saw that, and that's what reminded me. Of you is because I follow Steve. I love the dude. He's he's a pretty cool. He's a fantastic human being. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. I've met the man a, several times. I have his phone number, and like he's just a great dude. Like yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's what I saw him. I was like, wait, that's Doctor. Oh, that's from the. Oh, and then it all made it all like clicked in my head. Yeah, we started as the Drilled Podcast. Now we had to change the name due to legal reasons. Called now we call it the Drilled with Doctor Brady Podcast. Um. I co-host that podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm also the, the he, he introduced me for a while as the producer and co-host. I, I, that's a, I, I still have a hard title with executive director. Like I tell people, and I feel like a pretentious ass <sighs> asshole. You know, <laughs> like, why does it, why do people feel the na- the 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 need to label things and put terms on things and quantify relationships to others with terms? Doesn't it feel like too rigid almost for you? Is that no, why you don't like it? No, it's not that. It's just it. It sounds one of the reasons I hate talking about myself. We we discussed this a little bit before the podcast, but the the main reason is I feel like I'm just bra- being a braggart. You know, like I'm just bragging about myself and like, or I get this a lot too. People think I'm just like a bullshitter. Like I'm just sure. bullshitting. So I like there was a long time like when I started working at Beacock Music, I told people nothing. About what I've done. Yeah. I yeah. just like, you're going to get to know me from oh, me, and I won't tell you unless you ask. That is the life I live at my work right now. Yeah, just don't tell them. I don't tell anyone anything about myself because I'm like, one, all of my other passions that I do, none of these people do that. You know, maybe they like music, but they don't live it. They They, they don't think in music. They don't... They're not breathing and talking and always either that or coming up with bits or con- I'm consciously sitting there at work and thinking of commercials, thinking of bits, thinking I of new songs I write. Th- like, like you know, I'm constantly creating in my head all day. And I can tell 
by the conversations I have with people very quickly. And this is not an arrogant thing. I hope that anybody who is almost an uncontrollable creator um, understands that you have a trouble relating to people who don't. There's, you see, like how, like it, there's a sl- there's a there is a pr- processing speed where unconsciously we're having a conversation right now, and I cannot help but think four or five questions ahead of what we're talking about. I'm thinking about this crazy gent record I'm making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that we're having a conversation, but you're also thinking about something else. You have other things going on in your brain. Oh yeah, and like multitasking like a madman. Yeah, and. I can tell either people don't understand it or if they try to, it becomes overwhelming for a lot of people to, or, or just like you said, it sounds like you're bragging or bullshitting them. I I just hate, I get this a lot and this is going to sound like a braggart thing, but I don't care. Terms thrown around like wonderkin and like genius. I hate that. Yeah, me too. More than anything. Cause I am neither, you know, I just, when I started playing music, I was not naturally gifted at it. And I come from a family full of naturally gifted musicians. Yeah. And my friends, I had friends that were just absolutely bananas. Me too. Um, yeah, I grew up with my brother. Yeah, and he's a, he's a beast. And, and it's so natural. He, he didn't have to work as hard as I worked to hear music the way he does. Like, I, I, you know. I had to fight for it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is like through that fight, I learned something very valuable was that I learned how to to create on demand. Mm. I don't need to be in a mood. One of the things about playing music for a living, which I did for a long time, is that imagine what is the biggest motivator for you? What is your biggest motivation? Just like like uh, in a very like one like like a sentence. Um, Oof, my biggest rem- motivator is to, oh God. In life, in just like in general. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would, oh, it's, it sounds so, the to to be remembered, to to not go, like if, if I had, it's, that's almost too simple. It's You're talking t- about legacy. No, no, I don't want anything to, I don't want to have anything to pass on. I just want, I just don't want to be someone who no one notices. But in the short term, what is the one need that you have that you have to fulfill? Oh. It's easy. It's food. Yeah. When you <laughs> like when you play and if you suck, you don't eat, you never play bad because you have to eat. Food is the ultimate monkey. It is yeah. the thing that powers and I'm not talking about long term. I'm no, just talking yeah, in yeah, the yeah. short That's term, funny. day to day, it's food. Sure. You'll you'll notice the change in anybody in any profession. The second they have to do something professionally that they take seriously to get paid so they can buy food or shelter. Yeah. You know, like it's these primal things. And the second I learned how to, I had to start playing guitar to eat. I never had a bad night because I couldn't or I didn't eat. Right. It was this ultimate motivator. And then what it taught me how to do was learn. But it taught me, I learned how I learn so that I can mm. learn things faster. Sure. And so I just did that. And the crazy thing is, is now that I know that, that trick, like how my brain works and how my brain absorbs things, 
I feel like there's not much I can't do if I put my mind to it and I put right. the time in. Right. And so that's what happened is you guys blew up this, your drilled Halo dead. All yeah, it's, it's insane. It's just an insane whirlwind. Yeah. So what happened after Steve-O? And, and what happened with that? Like, Okay, so um, the, 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 the short version is this, is uh, that Steve-O put out a video. He did a tooth video about his dentistry because yeah, he's had tons yeah. of it. <laughs> and at the end of that video, he, there was a little segment that he said, hey, if there is anybody out there that will fix up my friend Stevie, Stevie is this guy that had managed to get a hold of Steve-O about his teeth. That he would promote their business. Yeah. Well, Dr. Brady sends an email off um, saying that he'll do it. We'll fly him in. Uh, we'll fix him up. Take care of all the return visits. Get him completely fixed. And he sent Steve-O that. And, but he said he didn't want him to, to do it to promote his business. Because his business doesn't need Steve-O's help. He wants Steve-O to promote the nonprofit. That's it. You promote our nonprofit, and we will, you know, fix up your guy. And that's what happened, basically, in a nutshell. That's, that's amazing. And we flew him out. Uh, we had to rip out all his teeth. We gave him the best uh, implant-supported um, uh, dentures you can have, where we put the implants in, yeah, and he's yeah. actually click in place. Yeah. Uh, it took, like, four visits. We flew him in from Wisconsin. Wow. Um, put him up. Actually gave him, like, per diem, too, like some walking around money, too, because he's not, like, well off. And drove him around, you know, took care of him. We've done this a couple times. We did it with Dr. Drew, too. Wow. Yeah, Dr. Drew Pinsky from uh, Loveline yeah, yeah. oh, back in the day, right? You do Dr. Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Drew After Dark. He does his his, his podcast right now. I uh, have been in that studio. The I, YMH Studios? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, we uh, went and we were, uh, me and Brady were on uh, Drew's podcast. Oh, Wow. And internet show. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been to Adam Carolla's studio over there, and it's just like podcast one. And then there's like the whole like- Oh, that, that podcast. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and then you walk in there, and it's like the, it's the podcast one, like HQ, right? And yeah. so you walk in, and it's got all the man show shit, and you go in the back, and there's like cars parked in there and all the stuff. And they have like the- this. It was just while we were in LA, and we were just like, yeah. you know, doing the LA thing. But we flew in for that. It was really cool. That's that's amazing. That's, did 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 uh did he do Jessa Reed's too? Yeah, comedian. He did Jessa's. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that once again just kind of just like fell into our lap. You know what? <laughs> what a story from her, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, we've had both her and Aaron on. Okay, uh, yeah, for yeah. the Mormon and the Meth Head podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yep, yep. Uh, Aaron's kind of a butthole. I don't care who knows. <laughs> I actually wrote a song about it. Put it at the end of his episode. <laughs> Because I am literally the production team, yeah, or yeah. at least was at that time. Yeah. So if you pissed me off, I would bl- like burn you down during the editing process because I have all. The- I am God, you as know? one should. Um. Yeah. We. Oh, we did Shane Torres. Oh, f- yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a. He's a. He's a good guy. We did Andrew Rivers, who's another comedian who's just a fantastic human being. I actually really like Andrew. He's a cool guy. But um. Ungayo Balaam from uh, Cooking on High, that Netflix show. We yeah. did all the weed cooking. We did him. Um, man, there's probably more, but I just kind of get lost in it. But uh, we did some That's stuff. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, we did. Oh God, what's in the Rubin Report? Dave Rubin. We offered Dave Rubin that we would do. He could have a contest if he promoted our pa- our nonprofit. He could have pick one of his fans that we would fix. Oh wow. Um and. 
you know, that's been getting some play and stuff. And we just did um, Phil Demure's. Phil Demmer? Yeah. Yeah. Demmer, yeah. Uh, from uh, the Walrus and the Whistleblower. Yep, yep, yep. Literally did that like a couple days ago. Um, wow. Just uh, He was really cool. He's been on Rogan a bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I heard of him. We've been talked about on Rogan a couple times. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep, so I heard it's about just, it. Yeah, it's just like, it's just a crazy thing. And that's that, that's like my secret goal. That's going to be my uh, thank you to, be on to Brady is to get Brady on Rogan. Yeah, he should. Yeah, he and should. It, it's going to happen. It, like, I'll, I will, I will, they, like, they, I will Let's talk. Through. I'm going to make another note. Let's talk after this. Okay. <laughs> um, that's, so that's sweet. So, um, man, yeah. So that that's basically your full time gig now. Is is yeah, um, making but, making that whole pr- product work. Yeah, basically, like I actually go, go to the, on location a lot yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, which I actually like. I'm I, a road dog at heart, so you put me on the road. Like we're getting ready to do some stuff in Philadelphia. Well, you go and do like a lot of like the the reveals, right? Yeah, yeah. I go and do totally do the reveals, and that's man. Talk, that is talk super... that part through because that to me, I was I was I watched uh, I've watched a couple of them, and it it seems truly. Everyone seems truly like it. Do, it doesn't seem like it ever would get old. No, it doesn't. It's uh, it definitely fills your soul up. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, what we do is we do a nomination process, and one of the things is that we really tried to do and trouble ourselves over was try to make that nomination process as fair and impartial as we could, and we did that. So people submit nominations through our website. It's a halodentalnetwork.org. So if you know someone that needs some dental work. Send in a nomination. Seriously. Like, we do shit all the time. But um, we, I I gather those into a list by state and location. And then we get dentists that volunteer their time or express interest. Because our goal is to get, uh, we want to get up to a thousand dentists. Right. And a thousand cases. That's the Halo network. Yeah, that's right. that's the goal. Halo and, and Drilled are, are inevitably linked. Yes. One pushes the other. Right. One of the things that you get stuck in in a nonprofit, especially doing content for a nonprofit, is that um, I read this book called Hate Inc. And what it talked about was mm. negativity sells better than positivity. So if you see like a video of some dude being a jackass on the internet, you feel better about yourself. So you're more inclined to like and share that. Sure. But if you see someone doing something really good, it makes you feel bad about yourself and you are not as likely to do said stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what drill does is it gives us a comedic edge to hit escape velocity for what I call the hating paradox. We can hit escape velocity to get over that. Um, so the nominations come in. We don't pick anything. We literally give that to we, the dentists come and we give them like a list of everybody in their area and they choose. You know, wow. Because um, it's there. It literally, yeah. it's yeah. Up. You put it in the hands of the people. We prov- we we make basically what we do is we create a support system for these dentists to do this. We make it easy for dentists to give away this work because there's a lot of hoops to jump through. We jump through the hoops so you can just give away the stuff. So when they've been selected, Dr. Brady calls them personally. He calls the person that nominated them. And what we do is we set up the, the thing. Oh, but wow. we, 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 you know, and they show up. Uh, you know, the dentist obviously has to look at them first. Uh, the dentist, if it's something he's not comfortable, do it. Can just say, "I can't do this." You know what I mean? And they just go back in the pool. But um, yeah, they don't know that they've won anything. 
Unless, oh. Unless the dentist, like, you know. Right. Like, they they actually have it. They show up. They haven't won anything. The dentist decides to do it. Then that's when we, the, the reveal shoot starts. And it's really great to see the reactions. I mean, there's been some where they haven't done it just because they couldn't do it or it was out of their wheelhouse. Sure. You know what I sure. mean? But um, the ones that have, man, it's, it doesn't get old. It, it fills your soul up. I like doing, I like helping people. And it's, it's just wild, dude. It's yeah. just a wild thing to be to help people and change. I mean, you significantly alter their life, you, you know, like, wow. And you guys can, and all of, by the way, everybody can hear this podcast. Um, it's on iTunes. It's everywhere. Feather found it's you're on videos are on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's, it's drilled with Dr. Brady podcast, yeah. halo dental network. I mean, you can all of it's all on YouTube. You just Google find it. it. Look for, look, look for drilled with Dr. Brady and everything you need to find will come up. Um, it's such a wonderful cause, man. Helping, you know, I have horrible teeth. I've had horrible teeth my whole life. Um, and it's been a struggle and, con- you know, work in and out and work in and out and just, it always feels like repair and like maintenance and not, not solution, you know? Um, and it's, uh, for people I know who have worse teeth than mine and, you know, um, it, I I feel so much with the struggle of someone who is afraid to smile. Someone who thinks, you know, I have quite a few friends who go around and uh <laughs> don't ever feel like they can talk to people. Like it's it's a it's such Your a face confidence. changes. I've literally seen the, the thing is one of the the things that I get to see is literally the change. Yes, yeah. Well, like we do before photos. Then we do after photos and like some of the transformations have been absolutely just out of this world. One dude doesn't even look like the same guy. I mean, like he doesn't even look like the same human being. I mean, yeah. he comes in and he's like, he looks half dead. And then like when we're done, he looks, he's like sexy dude. Like, <laughs> like, like Samuel L with like a, like a Morgan Freeman beard. I mean, just like he's got the Kingle hat on. I mean, it's like, he's just like Jesus, you know, like he's just a totally different person now. Wow. Happy. Yeah. You know, but his outlook, uh, that was a, a guy that we were, uh, did named Lee, and he was just his outlook. That, that dude's an amazing human being. But, um, yeah, he, total change. We just did uh, our super fan, Amanda. <laughs> Weirdly enough, our number one internet fan got picked. Oh, wow. And then her mom got picked. You know, oh, so it's like a family jam. How so th- cool. Yeah, that's super cool, man. It's just, I, I, you're bringing, you're, but for, for I don't know. <laughs> you're giving them a chance to feel new about life. Like, like you're, you're it's not just a trivial thing, man. It's, it's really not. It's, you know, I believed in it hard when, I mean, the idea came from such a crazy place. Like this, <laughs> I, the, my story and Brady's story obviously differ from perspective, but, um, Brady is a fast food addict. He just oh. loves fast food. It's it's this it's this one. He's got two crutches in this world. Cause he doesn't drink or smoke or anything like that. Really? He's pretty clean. Yeah. Um. But diet coke and fast food. Oh. Those are his jams. That's just his jam. mouth pleasure. Yes, he just uh you know he's in great shape and everything. But that's his jam, dude. You know, yeah. like Chipotle, like Taco Bell, like Wendy's. You know, are. St- 
or Shake Shack is like his, his like ultimate like eatery. He took me there and the food was subpar to say the least. But like he's like, Isn't this magic? You know, like uh, and this is like, oh dude. Yeah, yeah. I have to be in a car with you. <laughs> um <laughs> uh but he was going through Wendy's. And he was not feeling great about his job because dentistry can beat you down. That's the suicide rate is is hard. I mean, this is not just for people; it's also for dentists. Oh yeah, like as a mental health tool for dentists because dental focusing on dentists is one of the things that we actually do. Getting dentists to get involved. This is a big branch of what we do. Oh, and, and working with kind of some of the uh, the I, I the pressure of dent being a dentist. Yeah, and there's there's significant pressure. He was not feeling good about his job, so what he did was he was going through the same Wendy's drive-thru, and there was always this same girl that was helping him. And he just kept seeing her and seeing her. She was always awesome. And eventually one day, he's just like, here's my card. We're going to fix you. Just come over. It will cost you nothing. Wow. Took her. It actually yeah. took her like a month or two to come, come by. Of course it did. But yeah. then he just started kind of like firing those off. And, you know, and this was about the time that we were starting. Um, he was doing a podcast at that point called The Stand-Up Diet with, like, a comedian or something. But um, that had kind of petered out. And he had approached me at that point about helping him do a podcast. Because he knew I had all this, like, this audio engineering background. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm good at lots of things, like make videos, podcasts. You know, I can co-host or whatever. <laughs> there was a co-host who's a guy named Joshua Dean. He's, like, a pseudo-comedian in uh, – in Portland that was co-hosting at the time. He's a total peen, and I don't mind saying that. You know, like, <laughs> he knows that I don't like him. I never did. Um, eventually, I worked on the podcast, uh, like, the co-host thing, and then that, what happened was is Drilled started to, like, we we started focusing less on comedy and more on philanthropy. So the comedy stuff definitely was kind of, like, dying down yeah. as we focused on philanthropy. But then, like, we still want to do the comedy stuff because it makes the philanthropy accessible. So... That's when a split started to form. Where drilled podcast does this, where where we can be the you know the stinky kids in the yard of dentistry because we are not. There's some dent in some dental circles we are hated. Like really? Oh yeah, like we got a um. We if, had if the end goal is fixing teeth for people, we and, expose and- dentistry though. That's part of the podcast. Is we like you can ask Doctor Brady anything, and he will tell you truthfully. Like what things cost, oh. you know, and like he's kind of so like the whist- markups and 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 going. Oh, look at the charging and the maybe exorbitant. Uh- well, Doctor Brady's business model are is 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 very much more. He's like about quantity. He just wants to help a lot of people. He's not targeting like the the highest right. portion of you know the you know people like income levels. He's actually wants to help the lower income levels. So his prices at his dental office are like. Absolutely, I mean, I'm gonna pump. It. He works at the Camus Comfort Dental. His his prices are the best around. Period. Like yeah. no, no. And he's his staff. Most of his staff participate in Halo. Like they volunteer their time to do this. Some have been around since before it was Halo. Really. Um, and they're just great folks. Um, like Dr. Erica Linz, uh, Dr. Kasang Norbu, the, the two dentists over there. Dr. Eric Wood. He works at the one on Chocolaf in Vancouver, Washington. Cool. Um. Magical people. We have another gentleman that works at Gillespie Dental. His name's Greg Gillespie. He's a he's a mountain man. Like that, that dude is a is a is we call I, I call him the spear. Like we you, he's the dude you just throw at stuff because if you throw him at it, he's we share that in common. Like it's gonna get annihilated. Like like yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, the the goal will be reached. Um, 
is it was it a was it a kind of awkward transition to become a part of the dentistry world without uh being a dentist not really um weirdly enough i've had you know plenty of dentistry done and basically what i serve as on like the drilled podcast is the john everyman yeah just the regular joe who uh, color yeah you know like basically like uh brady uh can pontificate on all these dental things and I bring it back to the everyman. You know uh, what I mean? Like yeah. I give an everyman perspective Beautiful. or ask questions along those lines. I definitely play like a, like a, a backseat in that podcast because I'm here. I'm like, for me, it's about building Brady. Like that podcast yeah, is about building course. Brady. Yeah, of course. And that's my job is to build him up. I yeah. have plenty of other things where I build me up, but that's, it's cool to have that dichotomy where I'm not focused like solely on building me. I'm building someone else. Because if Brady wins, we win. You know, like humanity wins. Yeah, he like his. Yeah, his vision is something I got behind from the very beginning, and I am fiercely behind now. Man, and, that's it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. Helping people's addicting, man, dude. It's like a drug. Yeah, it's a serious drug. We we are addicted to giving, is what is, is what we say. I like that. I like that. So he has three vices. Yeah, he's definitely into giving. <laughs> giving Diet Coke and fast food. <laughs> we have a, we have a, dude, Chick-fil-A is like our go-to like thing cuz he, he introduced me to Chick-fil-A. So, so, yeah, I funny story about Chick-fil-A. I had never had it until probably well, in, during the pandemic actually was the first time I had had it. Um and <laughs> before I had even had it, we looked up the Chick-fil-A recipe. And I'm like, let's just make the fucking Chick-fil-A sandwiches at home. So we found out how they bred their chicken and went and bought chicken breasts and breaded a chicken them- ourselves and made the Chick-fil-A sauce ourselves and pickled the, you know, the, or got the right type of pickles and, and whatever, whatever the in- ingredients was. And we made these bomb ass Chick-fil-A sandwiches and ate them. I was like, this is fucking good. Then I went to Chick-fil-A and I had made better Chick-fil-A sandwiches than they made. Well, I can make a better fried chicken sandwich than they do, like, for sure. But it's nice to be able to just go somewhere and get one. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's a lot of work. I mean, like, it's not a subtle process. Oh, no, you know it, what I mean? It was, it was a very extensive process. But when you can just pull in and get that and get some fucking waffle fries with some Polynesian sauce, you know the what I mean? The waffle fries yeah, are the, yeah, forget are about legit. It. The waffle fries are the best. When part. I am, when I, I don't eat fast food very often, but when I do, um, that's definitely a stop. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm if if for fast food for sure, Wendy's is probably the top of my list. Uh, there's I love I love 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 French fries dipped in frosty. It is the best. <laughs> Nothing beats their Wendy's French fries dipped in that frosty. There was a time I was doing um, when I first moved to Portland after I was just coming off a tour and we had to make some money fast because we like when we moved to Portland shit went south quick. Mm-hmm. So I'm, to make some money fast I was a chimney mason. <laughs> I was I actually became the foreman like within oh, two that's weeks. Right. You told, yeah. yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember I was, you were for like, stone company. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was building chimneys and I was like the foreman of the crew and all this other stuff. But the thing was I weighed 200 at that point. Like right now, I weigh 250. Yeah. I weighed 280 pounds of solid rock man. Like just, I was so buff, dude. It was yeah. ridiculous. But I'd have to eat 6,500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. 
I was just constantly eating. I'd pack lunches and I would, they'd be like four or five sandwiches. And then I would go out and get something like that, like a bunch of ice cream, just caloric nightmare. My favorite was taco time because you could get a lot at taco time for not a lot. Yeah. I was making good money, but by the time I paid like, you know, gas and, you know, tools and all that other stuff, I mean, it wasn't that great. But, um, yeah, dude, that's when I discovered the like dipping in the frosty, man. It was just like French fries and, ugh. But taco time's still my jam. Like, that's the only fast food I get on the regs because mm-hmm. I have, there's a taco time right down the street from my house. The other one I really do like is Panda. My wife loves Panda, dude. Like, if she's feeling like not so great that day, like, I'll be like, hey, you want me to go get you some Panda? <laughs> dude, there's just something half chow mein, half fried rice. And then the spiciest stuff they got. Oh. For sure. Um, I find most uh, spicy things lacking. They're, they're, not, they're never hot enough. No. Like, but you just have to get it. The um, host of my the guest, uh, the guest, I don't know, what would it be? Sidekick? Yeah. The sidekick on my other podcast. Thanks. There you go, Josh. Um, yeah, Josh. Uh, that's one thing that we both really love is super spicy stuff. We'll go to restaurants, order the spiciest thing on the menu and eat it. Hey, can we do our own version of hot ones? Hot ones? <laughs> yeah. Make some wings, just get out a bunch of sauces and pour sauce on bare wings and just do that. Oh, I can make some wings, dude. I'm kind I, of I'm a good cook, so I'm a pretty damn good cook. Yeah, I like to cook a lot. Actually, I, I have it's some, relaxing. I I yeah, I love we we got uh, during the pandemic as well because going to stores and everything was different. So we started doing HelloFresh ordered meals. Oh, nice delivery meals! And they, dude, it it has com- like for real. It has completely changed all of our eating habits. They come small portions. They everything is there ready. We're not going to the store, so we don't have a bunch of extras to throw in and make the meals bigger and gorge ourselves. And variety of food we're having fish we've never had before like have you ever had barramundi Mm-mm, but i love i'll eat anything it dude like except like, for brussels sprouts i fucking hate brussels sprouts i fucking love brussels sprouts. i just don't like them ah ah that's the one thing i won't eat interesting forever ever but, i could be yeah, starving and i wouldn't eat them food is a food is a, a love-hate relationship with me for sure uh I have like for me it's weird. Like sometimes I'm totally love food and sometimes I just I, I get annoyed that I have to eat. I <laughs> I cannot stop the thought process that all eating is is just death prevention. Like like I'm just sitting there only having to fulfill an at never ending caloric deficit that if I don't fulfill it and keep it going, it's the bus it's speed going over 50 miles an hour the whole time. We're going to fucking blow up. I've lived both sides. Like uh, when I was doing the masonry gig and I was basically a bodybuilder, like I couldn't, I, it was like the same thing. It was always a deficit because if I didn't eat this amount of calories, I would get weak and then I would get hurt. Yeah. So, or I wouldn't be able to do my job as well because I'm carrying like 200 pounds of brick up a ladder like a fucking madman. Like right. incredible. Blue Ferrigno just running up that thing, ripping my shirt off. I did like that though, because that was the first time in my life I felt confident enough to like take my shirt off about in the sun. about your body. Yeah, because yeah. I was just like I take it off and it's like just fucking like I had a fifty two inch chest, just like, yeah, wore my and, hat backwards, and every other dude was like, "Oh, that guy fucking lifts," and not a girl paid attention. <laughs> uh, the, actually, they did. Um, but um, I've always, you know, when I was younger. Um, 
I was always kind of a pretty boy, so I that was never a problem for me. But um, like I just I was very vain too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so vain anymore. I'm actually happy that that happened. I'm happy that I got a little bit more portly and homely because the vanity thing, as my 30s blossomed, went away, and I'm glad that's gone because it was it was not a cool thing. Like my early 20s, forget about it, dude. Like. I was yeah. I was the king shit of fuck mountain and like he just get like at least in my own eyes and like oh, people yeah. thought I was an asshole and I was so I mean, like yeah yeah but as I got older I became more secure with me I actually have a mantra now and it 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 started out as just me being silly but it became a mantra I'm mean, having t-shirts made and everything's called stay fantastic always. I say it at the end of every podcast. I put it at the end of every post. I mean, it's like, it's my thing. I'm getting t-shirts made with it. My signature guitar, we'll get into that, is going to say it on there. Because for me, I want to be my most fantastic self. I don't yeah. want to be hung up on bullshit ego crap or, you know, anxiety that I'm not doing well enough. I'm doing fine. I just need to keep moving forward. Right. I need I and one of the things I like the anxiety text made me realize is I need to quit using insecurity to fuel things. It was a good fuel in my youth, but it, it's yeah. it, it, it's not a good fuel now. I just need to have the love of doing things and like the love of giving that drives it, me now. You know, not letting your insecurities fuel you. No, I need to get rid of that. It's yeah. a bad fuel. The the, yeah. the engine is different now. It, it right. can't run off that anymore. Right. So I just want to be as fantastic and like. I want to basically give joy. That's it. Like, yeah. you know, give, give, you know, like that's every part of my life. That's what I say. Be fantastic always. Yeah. That's what I do for a living always. is staying fantastic always. I want to like re treat, get in touch with my inner child and like have fun. And that's it. it it's a bit, I've always been a little, there's been winks of that. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Well, your music. Okay. So this is what we should do. Let's, let's, I want to take a quick pause. I have to piss. We're going to play a vinyl. <laughs> And then we're going to get into the part of you that is reinvigorating the child part of you. Because you've done quite a few things that I've watched and I follow that is absolutely childish. (laughs) And I love it and I relate to it. My shelf should tell you. I love toys. I love knickknacks. I love model building. I love being childly aesthetic. Look at that. Yeah, I see it. (laughs) That's a cribbage board. That's awesome. That I handmade. No, it looks great, dude. I love it. I noticed it when I walked in. And that kind of stuff is the other half of the nerdy stuff on this side of the room is building models. I'm trying to like combine it all. Yeah. Right. Into one great thing. So we'll we'll listen to what are we listening to? uh, I think we're going to start with some King Crimson. Yes, dude. Put it on. Let me get this out of the way. I will. I'm going to go piss though. So I will be. I'm pausing. The USB out stuff too. So oh sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Long before we were born, bands were forged and formed vinyls outside the norm. Records picked on high from our guests here tonight. May their old flames reignite on time and stuff's vinyl time. Oh, oh it's vinyl time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, dog. Yes. <laughs> dreaming in the shadows of a willow. I love vinyl. I do too, man. Talking to the trees of the cobwebs. And I love his voice. Sleeping King Crimson is just awesome anyway. I uh, recently picked up a copy of Yes, Fragile. Yeah, that's because uh, Heart of the Sunrise is one of my favorite jams. Yeah. Heart of the Sunrise, it's easily one of my favorite songs of all time. We played it in my band, like my last band. We, we never did it live, but we just do it at practice because it's fun. You know? yeah. Such a good song. I love in this, the reason I picked this song, you know, we could have picked... In the court of the Crimson King, 21st century schizoid man. Yeah, but like, this is actually illustrates composition. This is for me. This is the building of. I think it really expresses how their brains worked. How you're only hearing what they want you to hear. What's the glory of any record? Basically, whenever I'd record, my dynamics were the the key linchpin, and like that's the reason I couldn't play with sledgehammers, you know, like because it's like if you can't have like wax and wane, you know, like I always felt like I would always describe it to him as like a fist and an open hand, and you got to kind of like transition before you do it. If things open up, like we all spread out, and then we all come together, you know. That's what these guys do so good at, in utilizing the, the percussion. It's not a lot, but they're giving you swells and breaks and really atmosphere. You, it's a, yeah. it, it's soundtracking. Yes. They're soundtracking, which 100%. is hundred percent what drew me to music before anything was soundtracks. Agreed. Uh, John Carpenter soundtracks in particular. Um, I actually own John Carpenter records because, like, he actually makes records of songs that he never used or themes that he never used. Wow. He's got uh, um, three ones that I really love. Is uh, They're called Lost Themes. I have Lost Themes 1, 2, and I just bought three. And it was... It's it's one of those records you just put on. You don't have... You started at track one. And then when you flip it over and you just run it to the end. Like, those are my favorite albums. You never have to like. That's what I love about vinyl too, is it takes you back to the listening experience of actually listening to a record, not just just your one, you know, like your you know need for like immediate gratification. Your single off of fucking no, it's like iTunes. the whole record. Yeah. And there's so many good records like that I just love like that, and that's the only records I buy on vinyl. I don't buy everything on vinyl. It's got to have some kind of significance. Yep. And I'll seek out weird ones too. Like you've seen, like the pilot I brought today. Oh yeah. There's some expensive shit in here, but, but for me it was important. And I love hearing music in the medium that they wanted you to hear it in. The yeah. original master, the original mix, in the medium that it was intended upon. Yep. So you really get to hear the true representation of it. That's right. that's the magic of vinyl right there. That's why I go for first pressings. That's why I'm a nerd. Yeah. Yeah. I got a down on the bottom somewhere in there. Uh, I have a first pressing dark side. Nice. Nice. That uh, my mom got back in the day. Like, she bought it in the first run and held on to it for the whole See, time. See, I love shit like this, like, where it's just like, 
you just get to it, it it creates a mood like we both started talking softer did you notice yeah. that oh, yeah. like and we're like 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 NPR radio announcer guys you know what i mean um but it just it it, it takes you somewhere and that is the thing i love about all music is it's got to take you somewhere tell you a story like there's some songs that like some bands like this is very instrumental and these guys were more that I felt like that was more of their focus yeah and then there's other guys that are more like vocal lyric focus and I love both but it's just um like one of my favorites like my favorite musicians of all time is Tom Waits yeah if you ever heard me sing you can or listen to me talk you can kind of be like yeah he's probably a Tom Waits fan but I really like Danzig too <laughs> I can do a pretty mean Danzig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Danzig. Oh, there's this great internet group called Awful Pictures of Glenn Danzig. I'm a member of, and it's fantastic every day. He looks like Sigourney Weaver. They look the same. They here. really do. They really do. <laughs> See, I love... The... And this is composed. They, this they're, is on pulling, they're pulling you in. Yeah. Like and it's just getting softer and softer, and what that's making you do is listen harder. Um, this reminds me of a tactic I used to use with my mother. I found my mother because I come from hotheads, right? And I'm a hothead too. Yeah. But I have definitely, I was definitely learned to temper that. When she get louder, I get softer, and then she would start getting softer, like yelling, screaming at me, but in a very silent voice because I'm talking so fucking quiet. So. I love things that make you like pull you in. Whisper yelling. Yeah. Because I'm getting quiet. Don't you ever do that. Lil George Bradley Granoth, you get your ass over here. I actually have two first names. Lil George is my first name. That's amazing. Yeah, I was named after the. I only have one. The Little Feet singer and guitar player. (laughs) Really? And I'm not even kidding. Yeah. You know, like Dixie Chicken yeah. and like yeah. Fat Man in the Bathtub and shit. <laughs> Willin. Actually, That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I even look like the fucking guy. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> Your parents didn't know what the monster they created, did they? No, they kind of did. Um, my dad definitely did. You know, I uh, much what? like you, come from a musical family where my dad played in bands. Like, your mom knows my dad. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, like, they... Ran around in the same circles yep. when we were just like knee high to the grasshopper. You know what I mean? Like when we were just little babies, they were out there doing like festivals and jams and all that stuff. You know, with them and like uh, actually, weirdly enough, my mom is dating Bob Sather, <laughs> another musician from our hometown, like a low end musician. Yeah. Yeah, my dad gets a kick out of that. I bet. You <laughs> should really just like I wish him the best he can have her. <laughs> Good luck there. I'm actually doing a, a podcast with my dad while I'm down there. Are you? Yeah, in Texas. Yeah, just because um, I had my co-host submit some questions and I had my wife give me some questions and I haven't seen them yet. I had them write them down and put them in an envelope. Oh, to I'm ask gonna, your dad. Yeah, I'm going to open them up and read and ask him. He doesn't know this is happening yet. <laughs> I love that. I'm not, I probably won't film it because he's one of them doomsday prepper types that doesn't want to have his face all over the internet. Especially the kind of you know, <laughs> you know, like with the viewership and stuff. Like, yeah, I won't do that but I'm definitely going to do a podcast with him. Whether he likes it or not. I put my little mini rig together. Mm-hmm. 
Beautiful. I love how they're just still there to just do it. It's kind of quieter. Now they're just dicking around, <laughs> but you're still listening. <laughs> Moonchild, baby. Yeah. There's another great artist, too, that I'm actually might be doing something with. Here it comes. Um, it's named Lisa Belladonna. She's like a synth lord. And one of the things on my channel that I wanted to do was make fun of synth lords. Not make fun of them, but parody them. And so I invented this synth lord named Sarcophagus. <laughs> and Sarcophagus is the American answer to the Euro trash synth lords, right? And what I ended up doing, I've talked to a few, like, because I, one of the things through some of the stuff I've done is I've gained access to these people. So I talked to, like, Lisa Belladonna and a few other well known synthesizer players. And through my connections through Berkeley, I've got a hold of even a few more. I'm going to do a, a, like, a mockumentary of the rise and fall of Sarcophagus. And the thing is, I even have this thing where, like, he, he rises and stage out, like, there's a coffin, and he, he like, rises up, and they, like, does his thing and I've been working on all these this synth stuff because I, I actually play synthesizer yeah. I love them I have like vintage synthesizers that I love one in particular and that's the one I'm going to use but um, I have an Art Odyssey oh wow uh, like a real one yeah yeah. and I had it completely refurbished and I had them put like all the little LED lights are rainbow colored and but I'm going to do this like, and they're going to talk this like yeah that's our that's the sarcophagus guy man and he's just like yeah, like they knew you. Yeah, like like, like just the rise and fall of sarcophagus. I love that. I love that. I I made a uh, a spiritual meditation guide. I did the exact same thing, but instead of being a synth player, I uh, did the parody like a guru synth guy named Falco. That's the name. Well, I got the inspiration from um, there's this this video that I saw that was on Adult Swim. It was called Live at the Necropolis. Lords of Synth, <laughs> and basically these uh, these synth three synth players have a, have like a like a they cut heads and have a playoff of uh, that they're going to whoever is crowned Lord of Synth becomes the Lord of Synth and the other two are barred from playing synthesizers for a hundred years. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what ends up happening is. They're playing as Haley's Comet is passing over, but Haley's Comet turns towards Earth and starts coming down, and they have to unite to become, like, to, to, to thwart the comet. And there's, like, presidents. With synth? With synths. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. They had, like, there's an Italian one named Zeroger. That needs a hell of a theme song. <laughs> it was, uh, really, it was the best, dude. I would check that out if you're on YouTube. Lord, live at the Necropolis, Lords of Synth. All right. I'm looking it up. Panos. Look, keep an eye out for Panos. Panos. <laughs> they resurrect him with their synth loveness. That was the end of that. This podcast is brought to you in part by knees. <laughs> um, so Chupac I love that about your. I love that about your podcast. I do the same thing. Put fake ads in there and stuff all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, here, let's do this. Uh, 
Yo everybody, today we be out here kablogging with Shiz Naughty. Shiz, how you? Shiz be good. Shiz Naughty ready to party. We got Captain Kablog out front giving away lollipops to all the little ruglets and shit. Not gonna talk about it though, I'm gonna be about it. Kablog! Fix your shitty car, it is the goop that's super smart. It is an art, watch it start to move a rusted sticky part. Snake it at your local mart or bar it off your workmate's cart. Kablog's a spray that's used in ways can save you from your fucked up taste. Let's go! Now we are two bros that know how to fix problems we face on the road. Kablog is sick, it will unstick or restick the Kablog trick. She's naughty. We don't stop the party. <laughs> gentlemen, hey gentlemen, let's all sit down here. Uh, we're gonna get started. We're all here because we share the same problem. We all tend to lose our babies. Uh, we're gonna start off today's meeting by just going around the room, say your name, uh, maybe what you do, and uh, your first time losing your baby. Hey, my name's Pete. Hey, Hi, Pete. Hey, uh, I'm 42. I work in the IBEW, and uh, the first time I lost my son. Uh, it was a hot day out. We were watching SpongeBob. I went in the kitchen to grab popsicles, one for me and two for him, and uh, came back and that fat little bastard had already run away. <laughs> I don't know where he was. I searched the whole house. 45 minutes. He was in the dryer. Wonder how he got in there. Huh. Man, you look great for 42. Thanks for sharing, Pete. Next. Hi, my name's Tank. I want to tell you about losing the third baby, because we didn't get the other two back. I was bailing hay one day, and the baby must have fell into a bale, because I didn't see it again until I was in town. I was selling my bales, and then I saw his purple little foot sticking out 13 years later, and he still won't get near my tractor. Oh, man. Okay. Thanks for sharing, Tank. (laughs) Let's move on. Next. Hi, my name's Joe. Hi, Hi, Joe. First time I lost my baby, I was gathering old clothes to donate to Goodwill. My kid must have crawled inside a box of clothes before I dropped him off at the donate station. I didn't even realize it. What garbage they sold him for? I called him, and the truck had already left. Oh, man, it was driving all over the place. Luckily, I I had Kablog's baby finder, and I ended up getting my kid six counties over. I think we're all curious. What's the baby finder, Joe? Well, it's just a thing that you attach to your baby any way you can. Kablog makes it, and it the tells baby you where your baby is right on your phone. <laughs> Thanks, Kablog. It's the baby hammock. Exactly. Um, all right, so you've been doing... First, is the Kool-Aid kid still happening? No. What was the impetus for that? And. Take me through that, because that was... Uh, Kool-Aid Kids, no. Kool-Aid Kids is not happening anymore. Um, There was a bit of a... I don't want to talk shit. Rob's a cool guy, but he just didn't have time to do it. And basically, Rob, you know, like, basically, life got in the way of the Kool-Aid Kids. Um, And I just felt kind of pigeonholed in that. And basically, what I wanted was I felt like I was branching out in too many directions. And what I really wanted to do was, like, draw it all under one banner which is what we're leading into right now is what i did next i launched my own channel under my own name yep where i have a lot of friends and like you like there's a bunch of content i have like a month's worth of content just ready it's just gonna start schedule dropping but i i got my friends together and i'm like dude because i have a lot of friends that want to be able to do funny stuff but they don't want to go through the whole rigmarole of launching a youtube channel you know what i mean so like they contribute. Uh, there's a, a we're gonna do a love advice show called Rubline, 
Um, like there's just like a lot of really the sarcophagus thing I talked about. So you're um, doing pedal boards of doom. Pedal boards of doom was the antithesis for that. Yeah. Um, I ended up doing the Kool Aid Kids, and what happened was is I did a a review. A very kooky review of the Earthquaker Devices Rainbow yep, Machine. Yep, yep. It got a lot of play. Like people noticed it. Earthquaker Devices reached out to me. Um, they promoted it on their page. So this went bananas. And um, I mean, YouTube it did okay, but like on Instagram and like stuff, it just exploded. So um, I did that, and then that got the attention of the of Ali Alexander. He's the the guy that that created Pedalboards of Doom, right? And his team, and they were looking for content people, like people to help create content for the channel. And they reach out, and I was just like, yeah, absolutely. You guys are awesome. And the thing is, it's been a great platform because it actually makes me legitimate. Yeah. That's a legitimate brand. Oh, Pedal yeah. Boards yeah. of Doom know, is super legitimate. I know. That's it's, why I was We're endorsed. We're, you know, we've got companies that give us stuff to review. I currently have the new Wampler pedal. That's, I don't even know right. what it is. They wouldn't tell me. Yeah, those guys, those rascally fellows of Wampla wouldn't even tell me what it is. So I'm excited. I'm like, I like, I love that. Just send it. I'll figure it out. Um, and just a fair amount of other things. But um, pedal boards of doom spawn that because I do the reviews for that. But my, I was starting to kind of like sneak a lot of like the goofiness in there. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but pedal boards of doom with like the fact that we have like four guys that make content consistently for that channel. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was getting to kind of like get get it all out. So, yeah. and I really like podcasting. And that's why I think this is going to be a great podcast because you're experienced, I'm experienced. We love both love podcasting, and 100%. it's it's super fun. So, the Lowell George Granoth channel and all the various things that are under that umbrella is just it's the overflow. You know, uh, um, there's tons of overflow, and I needed an outlet for that. Um, I just do whatever I want. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, in that, in that, the one that I'm so fascinated with the idea about manchilding is hard. Oh, the manchilding is hard podcast. Yeah, that that. How did that spawn? Did you recognize? I mean, obviously, you're a giant manchild. I get it. Um, well, so are you. I mean, we're good company at this point. You know, it's. I mean, I build Legos in my spare time because I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I get it. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm the type of person that finds it hilarious that right over your right shoulder is a skull skeleton shoved in my closet with a Bob Ross afro and a Viking helmet on it. That's amazing. So anytime I want, I just look up. And there is a skeleton <laughs> shoved in a closet. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> like, um, when you come over, because I'm gonna have you on my podcast, you'll get to see my my house is a goofy artist house. I love it. Did yeah. you notice when you were in there? Did you notice all our paintings on the walls? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I, I was, I was actually in your bathroom. Even like, I was like, oh, you guys have a bidet. Yes, we'd have a bidet. Get, get out of my America. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, that bidet has changed my fucking life. No, bidets are, are fantastic, but I feel like it's like a luxury. I don't. Want to afford myself yet? But we are getting a new, a uh, uh, new house soon. That was sixty dollars. We're gonna get like we're gonna get all the things. <laughs> my asshole has never been happier. I'm tired of my my asshole needs help. So. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, <laughs> I but speaking of that, I have a helpline for assholes. Right? No. <laughs> has COVID ruined your eating habits? 
are your gutty works a hot soupy mess? When you run for the border, do you run for the bathroom? <laughs> Here to help. Yeah. Kablar, yeah. new with its anti-asshole chafing lubricant. I, you I, put I, drops of it on every food. It is petroleum-based. <laughs> well, here's our advice. Eat some goddamn fiber and lay off the fast food. This has been a message brought to you by the Eat Local Commission. Yeah. <laughs> Eat local. It's Good for the economy and bad for you, or and okay for you, and okay for you. And yeah, okay no, there's you. something right in that. There's something in that. Um, so manchilding is hard. Um, yeah, it's just a a podcast where I basically talk about keeping my inner manchild alive through the various things that I do. Um, I mean, it was weird too because it was like me and my um, co-host Josh. We had talked about doing a podcast together, especially when the like at the tail end of like the Kool Aid Kids when that was starting yeah. to kind of fizzle out. Rob's a great guy. He's just, you know, he's Rob. Yeah, and he has to deal with. That. Well, uh, well, and and you know, if if schedules don't work, cre- creativity can. There was a, be there was a, the, the problem was he wanted to yeah. take it one way, like he wanted to get like kind of political, and that's not uh. what I really wanted to do. That's just not me. I mean, yes, I have you know stances, but I want to bring joy into people's lives. I'm. Mean, it's not my place to like tell you how to think. Well, what I loved, what I loved is you brought back the your mama jokes, and for me, that was a true breath of fresh air for one just the the free speech the the lack of worrying about offending a person or a mom or a gender <laughs> or anything like that for a joke i mean jokes are jokes and they're if they hit home that's because it's true it's not because the joke's bad like the joke is funny still and your mama jokes are funny Oh, absolutely. Um, that's not a dead thing either. Like, basically, no. Yeah, all the Kool Aid Kid stuff is going to get like the stuff that I liked about that is getting absorbed Good. into. Uh, it's just between you know launching Halo. This has been kind of like my pet project, but yeah, yeah, you know. And then now I'm starting to starting to get some traction, so I actually have to like put some time into it. But um, a lot of those are coming back. We're gonna have bits and segments and. You know, some high production stuff too is coming um, down the pipe. I'm setting all that up. I'm going to start doing, but Pedalboards of Doom is becoming its own thing too. Because I'm traveling so much for Halo, I'm going to start doing traveling reviews. Ah, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Where I've got um, Victory Amplifiers was kind enough to donate me an amplifier to take with them. It's like a little little mini head. Oh, really? With like a line out and stuff. So I can just plug right into my interface to do the reviews with. Um, Boss is donating a, um, a little mini travel pedal board with like oh, the I road case yeah. um i'm talking to you apiqua guitars you know what this is they are the guitars from uh back to the future oh. the little mini guitar you had with the big amp those guys i'm talking to them i'm gonna go meet with them when i'm in texas about getting a guitar to use for while that. you're chupacabra hunting well i'm at chupacabra hunting um so i have some experience with chupacabras uh i lived in arizona for quite some time uh, and that is, of course, like basically the Western chupacabra. The you know, uh, some would call it the inland chupacabra. I know the Texas version, the south southern Texas version of chupacabras. Um, you know, will fuck around with the ocean as well. Uh, being in Arizona, there was were really landlocked, and so there it was a different breed, a little a little angrier. Didn't have access to you know 
fish or anything like that. So um, I did some chupacabra hunting. They're nasty, man. Um, uh, you guys got full gear? Oh, <laughs> let's put it this way. My father is a former Marine and doom, and he's a current doomsday prepper. Ah. And my family down there has compounds. <laughs> Legit compounds. Legit compounds. We're going to one of those. Basically, I was told, don't, you don't bring a good pair of boots. That's it. We've got everything else. All right. Like all ATVs, weaponry, oh. um, which is great. Cause Night vision uh, goggles, thermal imaging. I'm not even kidding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, all the things. Um, Just but, short of a shooting out of a helicopter. Well, you get this. You're from Alaska, right? <laughs> and one of the things is like when I talk about Alaska, because Alaska people are different. We're a different Texas breed. is definitely kind of like in, in there. But Alaska people, I always refer to it when I go back. Is I'm going back to where the wild things are. Yeah. Because, like, I just remember, like, going to bars, getting into, like, fist fights. And, like, you know, just, like, this kind of uber elevated kind of manhood, you know, kind of things that you had to go through up there that don't exist here. They do and not And I, I really feel like that's for the better. So I kind of feel like a caveman. Like, when I first moved to Portland, I felt like a fucking caveman. Dude. Oh, me too. I had to relearn how to talk. Because I would say things and it would like hurt people's feelings. And, you know, I don't want to be – I like being funny, but I don't want to be an asshole either. Correct. So I had to kind of like reset and kind of relearn how to do it. But occasionally, I got to get back in the wild, you know, like a civilization that you're tired of. It's like the beginning of Moby Dick. Yes. You just get restless on land and you got to go back out to sea for a while. I completely agree. So I have to do this periodically where I just bail. There's no internet out there. There's nothing. I'm like literally like going to be – where the wild things are. Yeah. And um, with my dad, who's the same. Who's wild. He's a wild thing. He's a wild thing, man. Like, um, yeah. we have that in common. Um, with my brothers and stuff, too. Like, like me and my dad are, like, very similar as sure. far as outlook, positivity, trying to be positive all the time. You know, like, uh, and not, you know, but if you press us, we are absolute monsters you know but like you will get shit done in whatever f avenue of but we try to keep it upbeat you know sure. like that's one of the things about like hard work or like term tempestuous like situations or turmoil is like your attitude is absolutely that's a life lesson is your attitude is the most important thing because if you can approach it with some positivity and look on the bright side of things overall you're just gonna have a better life well uh, agreed agreed that I think the caveat is necessary there, though, is um, there is also realism to yourself where while you want to look on the bright side of things, you do not want to keep shining a turd. You have to be realistic with yourself when something is a turd and is not worth shining, right? So I think the double-edged sword there comes when one can be too self-critical. And maybe spend, I, I do this myself, I spend a little too much time overanalyzing some of the things that I'm worried about and maybe try and convince myself that they're a turd to not spend the time on it when if it just takes a little more effort and I, I have to focus on the bright side to make it work. Your brain's you know? trying to give you an out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Capital, it's capital R resistance. Yeah. It's, you know, um, and overcoming that resistance 
is the path to success. There's a there's a quote I had actually. Um, um, where is it? Um, uh, reason is and ought to be a slave to the passions. That's a double edged sword right there. That is a slippery slope, my man. <laughs> I know. I know. No, it's a, there's a balance. Like my brother told me this, and the weird thing is, is like my older brother drank himself to death. I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine. It was like he drank too much anyway, and then he ended up getting on some like antibiotics, and he it, it just he did he just built dumb about it. Yeah. He gave me this piece of advice, which I took to heart as a young man, and he obviously didn't follow. But once again, I've, I do I've, as I say, not as I do. Yeah, um, is moderation in all things. You have to find balance, and like balance is the key. To being happy. That's yes, a truism. I, I, I have I, I have anxiety. I have problems just like anybody else. But am I ha- am I like depressed? Hell no. Am I like sad? Hell no. I am always moving forward. I feel great about my life. I have issues just like everybody else. Yeah. I got to lose some weight. I got some anxiety <laughs> problems. You know, I, there's I've got problems just like anyone else. You know, um, uh. You know, I have this acid reflux thing that happens, but am I depressed about it? Hell no, dude. I'm having a great time. Right. I'm getting to do the things I want to do on a schedule that I make myself. Um, you know, and it's it. I have the f- creative freedom to do all this stuff, and that's where like the man childing is hard thing is is me trying to convey that sense of freedom and that sense of just positivity mm-hmm. and just throwing it out. Because I always relate that to the time like when I was, ha- you know, when you're happiest is when you're like, you know, if you think about it, so your childhood. I can remember my childhood vividly. And I had a great childhood. So I'm trying yeah. to like take that energy and just pull it into the rest of my life. It's, fu- it's funny. I, yeah. I mean, I, it had its shit shows just like anyone else, but there's like some very, like my first memory is um, my oldest brother dressed as a gorilla running out of the woods at my birthday party. I didn't know it was a gorilla. He, my brother was really good at juggling, like his circus style. Like, I mean, he could just juggle knives, whatever, and like make balloon animals and just had a great time. I didn't know it was him. I didn't know it was him until years later. But I just was like, oh, man, a gorilla came to my birthday party, and my mom threw me one with a bunch of Ninja Turtle actors. Whoa. And it was all my friends. Like, my friends still remember these parties. I actually just talked to my buddy about one of these parties, like, really? not two days ago. He's like, because he was up uh, there redoing my, um, when my grandfather passed, my aunt took over his house, and she's fixing it up. And weirdly enough, one of my good childhood friends, like, best friends, is a guy named Justin Whitmore. I know Justin. Yeah, you know Justin. Of course. Yeah, we were like thick as thieves. Really? For, yeah, yeah. We still are, but we've—I mean—we've obviously lost touch because we don't live in the same place. But um, he sent me a video from inside of her house, inside of the my grandparents' house, of all the remodels. He's like, you recognize this place? And I was just like, oh my god! But even they remember, you know. Wow. Um, I will give my parents one, like one. If I'm going to give them any credit, is they would make birthdays and shit like real special. Yeah. You know, and like, I just remember the wonder and like, you know, like when I started playing guitar, I can remember like just air guitaring like at night when everyone went to sleep and I just have my headphones in and I'd just be like dreaming about fucking playing guitar, right? And I had no natural aptitude for it. And I just remember my dad sat down with me because he had gone through my cousins and brothers and stuff and not many of them took to it. My cousin Dayton 
Uh, I don't know if you know Dayton Williams, but he's know. been playing a bunch of music in, in Kenai now. He's a, like, you see his name popping up and stuff, but he took to it a little bit. My, my dad was a little burnout teaching the guitar by the time that he got to me. Sure. But he still did. He just he showed me one song. I asked him to teach me how to play Come As You Are. You know, just like, because yeah. I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't do it. But my dad's like one of those guys that was like in here. He just listened to it. He's like, oh, shit, man. Come sit down. You know, like, and he showed me. And then he never had to show me anything ever again. Really? You couldn't pull a guitar out of my hands at that point. I figured that riff out. And then obviously it started growing. But my goal was always to create my own stuff. You know, that was always the goal. Yeah. Hence the reason, like both me and you, we talked about this a little bit before, but we didn't fit in into the music scene in our hometown because we're from the same place. Yeah, we did not fit in because yeah. we were always questing for something greater. Right, we didn't want to play in like a bar band. We didn't want to play like covers. Well, and what I did, we I was in a bar band. I played covers, but I played three one-hour sets of songs I didn't care about to get to the fourth set and sprinkle in my original songs. Yeah, but it was like, it was a means to an end. Yeah. Like, you weren't yeah. there for that. You were there for something else. Yeah. I played strictly original stuff and with some covers like sprinkled in, but like, which was, was weird. No play in Kenai. We had a couple of shows when we had a band, remember the Bump and Uglies? Oh, yeah. The Irish punk rock band? Yep. We got a lot of play in town. We did a lot of big shows, like yep. big shows that the town had never seen. Like, well, we packed out the roller rink and stuff. But, like, after that, when I start get when we did the Men With Guns stuff, nothing really happened in Kenai. Dude, Anchorage, Fairbanks, like, all those places. I mean, we would – I packed out coots. Yeah. Like, wall-to-wall people. I was, like, surfing on top of everybody to battle the bands. It's the van, we played the Vans warp Tour and stuff. But, like, like we, we just – decimated the competition yeah man with guns is great i i mean i mean i i remember i saw you guys quite a few times on the peninsula yeah i mean you played down there you know i i i that's just for our friends though most of the time yeah. we just throw a good show for our friends at that point you yeah. know because it was just like what, what are you gonna do you know um but um or we play like some of the cool festivals like i like playing the funny river bluegrass festival funny river that was just great. a good time those guys were cool dudes and i was i was basically at a festival with all my friends and all my punk rock friends from like Anchorage would come and play and stuff too. So I mean, this is like some of my still good friends I still know, still hang out with because then they come through town, we hang out. Or if I'm in their town, I hang out with them. Um, you know, like I love those guys, but it was that initial spark. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to well and rekindle then, and then, that. And then also the 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 polar thing, polarizing thing was, you know, it was a Kenai Soldatnum was a microcosm of big fish in a small pond where there wasn't a lot of people trying to be a band to break out of, to try and do any music to break out of Alaska for people. Like that was not a thing that people did. They're like, why aren't you just on the oil field? Like, <laughs> why are you? I did it. I mean, of course. You so did, did I. It. Yeah, we did it. Like because, But we had to go to great lengths to do it. And the, but the thing is, is that's what it takes. Yeah, doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, but but you feel you you, you recognize you're not the same. Yeah, as I resented else. it for a long time too. Yeah. I was like, why won't these people want to? Why doesn't like everyone think like you know I'm a butthole or something? You know, like why does no one want to play with me? Or why does he? You know, when I go to these jams, I'm like practically fucking shunned. I just like I was. I was literally shunned at these things, and. People just didn't get my music or something. But yet, I would go to Anchorage and I would wreck. I mean, I would just like, I was a freight yeah. train that could not be stopped. And then I come down here 
And unless it was a festival or something fun like that, you know, I was just get like nothing, man. Like yeah. just um, well, you know, small town mindset, man. Yeah, and, and the guys that were like getting a lot of play, I didn't get. I'm like, dude, no, you got you're kind of a no talent ass clown. We already talked lie. about one of them before this. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a few. Um, uh, uh. And it's just like the one guy that was always a super dick to me. And I don't mind saying his name is Rob Justice. Fuck that guy. Oh, really? Yeah. He was always a turbo oh. dick to me. Like, I mean, he would go out of his way to say nasty things to me. Really? And yeah. I was never anything but kind to yeah, him. I, 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 I didn't ever know him that well. He played music with my mom quite a bit. Um, he was ran, ran in that circle. I don't know. He never seemed like a, like a dick, but granted... I wasn't, and he's. A, I wasn't anywhere near competition or in the same. I was direct competition. Yeah, and he was just a butthole, and he would do things to discourage me, and he would go out of his way to like. There's one thing he did. I'm not going to say it because it is that fucking heinous. And wow. I, would, I'm, I, I. One of the things is you can still be mad about stuff, but you know, you, I've let it go. Yeah, I'm still not happy about it, but like, it's not something I'm going to dwell on. But um, the one dude that was turbo excellent to me was Whitey. Whitey Diamond. <sighs> Timothy Diamond. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, man. That dude picked me up on my bootstraps. I came back tail tucked between my legs from a tour. And we shout f- out to Liz, too. Yeah, Liz. Liz is amazing, too. Yep. Um, I have one of Whitey's guitars at home. Do you? Yeah, it was bequeathed to me. And uh, it is one of my most valued possessions. I play it all the time. Um, it's actually, you know how uh, Whitey would always deck out his guitars? Yeah. Like, he put ebony pins on them. Um, he would sign the back of the headstock, and uh, you put ebony bridge pins, or, like, if it was an electric, it was always the same aesthetics. It's got all that. Beautiful. Yeah, it's this old guild acoustic that he used to bang around on all the time that Bob Sather dropped, so it's got a crack in the back that's been repaired. But um, Thanks, Bob. Uh, Bob's a, Bob's, Bob also has, like, helped me out a lot, Yeah, you know, back in the day. Um, he loaned us a PA in the Bump and Uglies, like a real PA. That's why our, like, these big shows and stuff where it's Turbo Turbo was because we had, like, a proper PA, you know what I mean? Like, with subs and, like, enough wattage to get it done. And, uh, like, Whitey at the with Roller Rink, Whitey was the one on the soundboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love those Roller Rink shows, man. Yeah, those things were awesome. You know, um, it's one of the things I want to try and bring back when shows start happening again is I'm going to start put. I got a... F- fun group of guys and we're gonna start doing i'm gonna book the funnest bands i can and i know them all around here now yeah and just throw like uh there's this one band called the the streaking heelys that are just wild absolutely wild um but it all stems from that initial childhood wonderment and did you so did when you were a kid can let me ask because you have you have you have a running a a theme kind of was you're always battling an insecurity um, insecurity about yourself, your own worth, if you can keep up. I, I think it's a tortured artist thing. I deal with the same thing. I'm always, I'm always checking myself against the outside to know if I, if I line, if I stand, if, if I can compare, where do I fall short? What do I need to work on? Um, and I recognize it comes from a place when I was sold a kind of a hero mentality when I was a kid on there's a person who's a type of person who maybe embodies this image and if you don't meet that maybe you're not successful or you're not good did you have one of those people that 
that was kind of your embodiment of what it meant to be cool or in or something. And I did. Um, is my oldest brother Aaron? Oh, good yeah. name. Of course, yeah. makes sense. Uh, yeah, he was sort of my hero. Yeah, up until I was about nineteen. Um, that's when he passed. Um, and then uh, I don't know. Like it's weird too, because like I learned as I learned more things about him and got older, and maybe started like, analyzing things. He Hindsight, was, he was super flawed. Of course. Like, well, that's why they all more, more flawed than most. Isn't that why they say don't meet your heroes? Yeah, but um, but I didn't. That didn't dissuade me. You know, he was just as flawed as anyone else. And he was a human being. But didn't it? Didn't finding that out? Because I have my heroes that I were I idolized as a kid. That I in my older time came to find out exactly the type of person that they were, and realized they were someone not worth being a hero. Um, or at least not the type that I would have wanted them to maintain being. Um, and it made me then even question myself going, well, what type of me, what type of person would see the value in that? Then, like, why was I so easily dissuaded or why, why, why did that, you know, how did that stick with me for so long as something maybe virtuous? When I turned 30, I hit escape velocity for that, that basically you? hero, hero worship was what had happened. By the time I was 30, I had this, you know, long stream of accomplishments that I was riding on. And I felt like I was finally, you know, getting on my feet and getting my shit together and escaping a lot of the, the tropes of my adolescence, you know, and like the mental hang-ups of, you know, mental scars and stuff like that. I just kind of escaped all that. Or I felt like it was on a trajectory. Um, did Little did I know I was heading into a nightmare, but um, I kind of escaped that velocity where I wanted to focus on me doing things, not, yeah. like, focus on hero worship or, like, idolize, idolizing people. Right. I just wanted to focus on, like, what I'm doing. And my worldview became narrow in that degree where it was like, I'm just like, I don't, I can't process all of this. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on just this. Blinders on. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm still open to the idea of things coming in from the outside, but, you're not, you, but I'm you're not, not obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So one of the reasons I kind of go dark on internet sometimes, you know, of course, with publishing tools, I don't have to be on there all the time, but, um, you know, it's, I got to like, it's the reason I'm doing this trip to go out where the wild things are and, you know, kind of do um, that kind of stuff and just reconnect with the, the you know, not this digital world that just seems overwhelming. Yeah. But yeah, as that disappointment though made me, was definitely the, 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 the you know, the, the catalyst for me just like abandoning hero worship entirely is I had a hero, was terribly disappointed and then. Did you revel in that? Like, did you kind of rebel, not revel, rebel against that bum out for a while? And that's why it culminated, you said, at 30 and you lost it. Did it, was there a bit of there was like pushback? Some ex no, there were some experiences that reinforced it over time. So it wasn't just that experience. But um, I got to meet a lot of 
well-known musicians just doing the very thing. I played in this band called Mondo Generator for a while yeah. with Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age. And then I got to meet a lot of like these people. And there's, over time, various other people. But I just realized that they're just human beings like me and you. There's nothing like magical about them. Um, there's only two guys I've met that I felt were magic. Um, Henry Rollins. That dude is magic. Um, but... His philosophy resonates pretty hardcore with me because it's similar. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tom Waits. Um, you did meet him briefly. I, he it was just like a passing, but I got to like watch him with people, interact with people, not like on a stage. Um, and he's magic. Um, I got to meet Les Claypool. Ah. Oh. Um, One we, of my heroes. We have a mutual friend, um, and we went to a wine tasting at their last concert when they played Edgefield, yeah. and then hung out for a little bit. Um, I know him through Nick. Yeah, I have tickets for... I do, too. I know exactly what you're going to tell me. I have tickets that are just kind of like, when it happens, it happens, and I will be there. Well, I'm going to see you there, yeah, you and we'll have a beer together. You dude. will see me there, dude, because I will be there. Yeah. Uh, that last show they did was absolutely fantastic. Um with I don't remember the opening band, but Mastodon. <laughs> I've seen them. They're Mastodon's amazing. Yeah, Mastodon. I've seen actually. I got to see them like two thousand two, two thousand three ish. Oh, Oblivion or uh, on the um, not uh, Oblivion. The album before Oblivion. Yeah, it was when they were they were touring with Mastodon on yeah. Leviathan. Oh, Leviathan record. That's right. That's um, right. and like uh, I got to see him at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. Ooh, uh, that was cool. Um. Uh, I went with my buddy. Uh, one of the reasons I'm, I'm, we talked about this earlier too, and we were going to turn this into a whole thing, is I'm getting ready to go to my 20th high school reunion. Um, I know it's 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 a, it's a big number. Um, yeah. But the, one of the reasons I am prompted to go is a very good friend of mine from high school. We've totally disconnected because he went to West Point and I went on tour, and it was like we just kind of haven't seen each other since high school, right? Yeah. Um, he did the military jam. You know, I was on I was road dogging. Um, he reached out, and one of the things that we, we bonded because we went to see Pantera. We yeah. skipped school, drove up, and did the Pantera show. Underage. Yeah, yeah. Um, we man it. We made it happen, you know. Um, and by God, I'm I'm really happy that I did that because he got to see Dimebag live. Um, get to see Pantera, you know, in their prime. So. But he he prompted me to do that, and it's just. But it all boils down to hero worship, you know. I abandoned that. I just kind of focused on what I'm doing, and I, f you know, creativity is one of the things I tried to cultivate was like creativity on demand, where I didn't have to be in the mood for it. I didn't have yeah. to like you know do all this other stuff. You brought that up. Um, you had a couple songs you played me, and one I want to play for everybody because it's fucking, it's amazing. It's it's truly amazing. So what I think we should do is let's bust out one of your records. Okay. Pick one of those. I, I got it. What I have here mm. is one of my most prized possessions. My darling wife bought this for me. And my father is a combined Christmas gift. It is a mega force pressing of Ride the Lightning. This is Everybody. Ride the Lightning, Metallica's Ride the Lightning, as it was intended to be heard, original mix. On the format, it was intended to be how, heard on. How you would have bought it in 1984. 
Yeah, this is literally the bee's knees. So the question is, because that album is fucking amazing. I think it's their second best album. Oh, let me clean it. Let me clean it. So what are we going to listen to? We are going to because listen to my favorite, what, my favorite track on this album. All right. It is track four of side two, The Call of Cthulhu. <sighs> yeah, dude, it's my favorite, like. It is. It's one of my favorite it's pieces. It's a masterpiece. It is. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that, I mean, Call of Cthulhu or uh, uh, Orion. Creep, creeping Death. I really, no, like of the oh, instrumental, oh. instrumentals, yeah, dude. Uh, anesthesia, Pulling Teeth is great. Um, to Live Is To Die is probably one. Another favorite, but this is my favorite Metallica song. Like we just call it Cthulhu. Um, uh, I'm a big, huge HP Lovecraft fan as well, so it kind of all kind of plays into into plays into that. I really like um, the B sides on this too. Like Trapped Under Ice is a great song. You know, Escape, like, Trapped Under Ice, yeah. Escape. All of those are Fight great. Fire with Fire. Yes. I mean, you obviously have like the Ride of the Lightnings, the Fade the Blacks, and the Whom the Bell Tolls. Creeping Death is another great one, too. Creeping Death is awesome. Yeah. Die by my hand. Yeah, I am a huge Metallica fan. I have uh, quite a few in there. I do not have Ride the Lightning, and I am jealous of the Megaforce Press. That is huge. I've got a copy of uh, Master Puppets, but it's not, it's not like an original pressing. I do have an original pressing of Justice. Um, black album, uh, load and reload. Yep. Of course, I'm, you know, purists hate this, but I actually like reload and reload. I just like I Metallica. I like Metallica records. Death Magnetic was a stretch, or not Death Magnetic, but um, uh, Saint Anger was a stretch. Saint Anger was a stretch. Death Death by Death Magnetic came back, and Hardwired is a fucking yeah. Kill Hardwired is such a good album. I have that in there. It's. It has some of their my my favorite riffs of all time, post Justice. I think mine is um well, one record that really resonated with me about Metallica was Reload. Oh, it just has a cool vibe, and I used to listen to it all the way through all the time. I just like the vibe of the record. I still yeah, do. I was too. listening to it yesterday. Me too. Um, dude, another one that's absolutely like I. I can net Garage Inc is probably my, my I favorite. I saw them on that tour. Did you? Yeah, it's a great album. Garage Inc. is amazing. I I don't care who you are. Go listen to those covers. They do everyone justice. You hear the fun side. Then you go to the B side, and you hear the roots of them. I mean, mer- they. Th- there's a reason you have Merciful Fate here. I actually, weirdly enough, encountered Merciful Fate before that. Before Metallica covered Before Metallica covered them. Um, I discovered Merciful Fate like um, probably my freshman year in high school really? because there was this record store called Subterranea in Anchorage, and I was a goth kid. Don't get don't even, I, I know that I, about you. I fucking own it, right? Black nails, makeup. Dark, I had black hair anyway, but real goth, not emo two thousand. No, quote, like quote, like goth. spikes. I was kind of like black metal gothy, um, and so we would uh, go to that store and buy records. Yeah, uh, there were CDs at that time. Or tapes. Did you listen to the Cure? I did not. Okay, so no, I was in the 
metal. Yeah. And I was in there like, because one of the bands that really grabbed my attention when I was a kid was A, Frank Zappa, hence the reason <laughs> that I do so weird shit. I you know, Frank like, Zappa in there. Yeah, I have plenty of that. My first record I ever owned was Apostrophe. Yes. Oh, I love that album. Um, and Nanook Rubs It was my jam. But like, uh, like, I got into metal because of Thin Lizzy. I listened to Thin yeah. Lizzy, and one of the things that drew me to Thin Lizzy was dual guitar leads. Yes. It's you know, just like the, the way they they interact, um, especially like stuff on like the Black Rose where it's Gary Moore versus Gary Moore, you know, and he does that solo in the Black Rose. But um, and then I really liked cool ass metal bands, and I was listening to stuff like Celtic Frost and yep. uh, so obviously like I, I found God people are hanging for this, but I found Slayer a little gross p- pedestrian. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Metallica because it in had the flames. Th- Were you listening to In Flames back then? I did. I did listen to a little bit of In Flames, but I was kind of yeah. going farther back. So I, this was about Ingve period. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So you hit Ingve period as a guitar player, and you start seeking out things that you know you like. And Merciful Fate, the guitar team on this, is absolutely stupendous. Oh my god, it hurts so bad. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's just. Oh, dude. Well, it's it, Merciful Fate is why you have the 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 Kirk James oh, yeah, yeah. duo and you how- know like Michael Dinner and and Timmy Grabber. I mean, those guys that was the bass player and then like Hank Sherman and stuff, dude, like on this record Melissa. Forget about it, dude. It will crush your soul. It is um once again, I just listen to this record all the way through most of the time. I love every bit of it. Um but yeah, well, let's listen to some Call of Cthulhu. Love it. This this riff. That was a fine. It's a lead in. <laughs> Call- yeah. Listen to that. I know. This riff was what made me want to learn electric guitar. To maybe practice alternate picking. Maybe practice, you know. Chord progressions, sliding, arpeggios, everything about this song and all the buildups and the fundamentals they use in the writing of this are. If you learn this song, you will be a decent guitar player. Oh, sure. I mean, like, I know all the riffs from Kill Em All. I can play all those songs straight through uh, Ride the Lightning. Yep. Um, I mean, shit, dude. Like, Master of Puppets and Justice for All. I know every riff, every solo. You know, like, oh yeah. But I love the app, like, the chromaticism of that. I love it. Is that that chromatic note on the three? Just oh, this is Sans Orchestra. Well, Cliff was a genius. Yeah. The reason it resolved right there was the bass came in. It wasn't the guitar work doing the result. No, the guitar the guitar is just plowing. It's our PGO is just straight through. And then you get the second guitar coming in. It's swelling. Cthulhu fucking rises. <laughs> I love the wah. The bass is so nasty. Yeah, dude. Thank you. 
there's a reason I play Gibson Explorer, y'all. <laughs> I play the Explorers and Flying Vs. There's a reason. <laughs> You're listening to it. Do my Explorers even has Hetfield pickups in it, too. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. They're at the new headset. They're so nice. I love the shift in the riff there. Yeah. And now their full power chords are like, we're giving you everything of the heavy. And it's just, I mean, they're chopping, they're lumberjacking. That's a, like, because there's not a lot of saturation in that game. That's just a guitar hit real hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's all angry 21 year old down picking. Yeah. They're opening up. And it's getting wider and wider and wider. Because they want you to eat And then they tighten, they, they lock in. They're all doing the same thing. This is something that gets lost, I think, in today's music a little bit. There's times where you just kind of lock in together. Yes. And I love how Metallica wouldn't soften it for the solos. They play harder for the solos. Hardest riff was in the solo. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about being a lead guitar player. Is like, and one of the reasons, like, uh, I'm starting a band now with another guitar player, which I've done in a while, because I found a guy. And we're gonna like, it's gonna be the hard. Like, we're gonna like be rocking hard. I remember the first time I was this on vinyl. This pressing. It can only get so hard. <laughs> that's some very Satriani-esque looks like that. That's the thing. I was just thinking, that's all Sat. Kirk was really embodying his schooling at this point in time. It was good. It's very melodious too, though. Like, yeah, and they just like suck it totally back in at you. They spread out and like they punch. And it. this is what made them so heavy that Megadeth did as well, but they weren't quite at. They, they wanted to go too fast, I think. Yeah. The problem was if Megadeth wanted to do this. Metallica would pull it back. They could go fast, but they would pull it back, you know. Well, but you have, I mean, Master of Puppets is, I think, the fastest actual BPM of any song. Damage Inc. plays faster, but it's half time. Um, Dire's Eve is pretty, pretty. Tempo-wise? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fast, but those, those are nowhere near tempos that mechanics had or, or you know, pick pick anything off of Rust in Peace. Like, those are fast. 
songs. Yeah, but they're hard to play too because I'm the sense that you've got the best right hand in the business. You know what I mean? Like, because like to play master puppets correctly on guitar, you have to down pick it. If you alternative pick it, it does not sound right. Correct. But there's certain parts of it that are alternative pick, and you got to know where they're at. Yes. Um, and then it sounds right. Like, um, Hetfield's the reason my down picking can't be defeated. You know, like, dude. Yeah, that's that's where that's all of my. Because I play with a pick on bass. I don't play with my fingers. I play with a pick. I ground my teeth on Hetfield riffs. I ground my teeth playing electric guitar and getting my fucking picking hand so tuned in with my left hand that when I became a bass player, it made sense to just keep up that that connection. I mean, there's a reason this hand looks like it does, dude. Like, it's like, uh, but my alternate picking is also very on point. Like, so... Double escape. Because, yeah, you practice because, that. Yes, I do. Uh, I don't really practice alternative picking anymore. I got so into it at one point, I took it about as far as I thought it could go. Um, oh my god! They're like, let's just get a little heavier. Yeah, it's not heavy enough, guys. You gotta get your shit together and make it even heavier. But only at the end of the song. Yeah, but. Back when Metallica didn't give a shit about being on the radio or selling records, they just wanted like we're gonna hit you as hard as we can, and it's very much a culmination of a lot of great influences. Of course, they took uh, you know the duality of bands like Merciful Fate and Diamond Head for sure. Diamond, Diamond Head, Head was the closest to this that yeah. it was, um, but they also took the pop sensibilities of like the Misfits. Oh yeah, and like Motorhead. If you listen to Motorhead, it's poppy. They have poppy sensibilities. Like the Misfits, very poppy sensibilities. Well, Lemmy's Lemmy's ear was that way. Yeah. You know, so is this so is like the Misfits. Yeah. It's, it's just like absolutely very poppy. I like the tension notes in there. I write a lot of stuff with like a drone note in there or something that climbs in the middle of the chords. Yeah, it's uh Oh wait, wait, wait. It wasn't heavy enough. <laughs> Cthulhu rises, y'all. <laughs> Metallica motherfuckers. Yeah, that was uh, Call of Cthulhu by the band of Metallica on original Megaforce present. It's one of my favorite things about vinyl in the world is we ha- you have to pull it out, you have to handle it. It is a manipulatable, physical audio source. Yes, sir. Indeed. You do not get the satisfaction. The only next thing that goes close to that is cassette tapes. For me, as far as the feel, oh, oh, lyric jacket. As it was intended, as it was in the beginning. This is the only way you could know who wrote the songs. And uh, what the words were. Well, do you remember getting records and like popping open the jacket or like a CD and like popping on the jacket and like staring at it while you like listen to the record the first time? No, the thing I was still the thing it. was for me it was cassette tapes before C- fuck CD jackets. Going going to Kmart and 
buying in Kenai and buying cassette tapes because they would fold out eight or nine squares. And so you would get this long fold out outside out of the inner jacket of the yeah. cassette tape. You pull your cassette tape oh, out, I was you around pop it in. Cassette tapes. Oh, of course. Um man, that was that was really my jam. Like <sighs> studying those inner jackets. Man, it was for fan club information, Metallica, Metal Militia, three four five West Riverside Drive, Roseburg, Oregon, nine seven. You know who's you know whose address that is? Whose address Ron McGovney. Uh, the original bass player before Cliff joined. That's Ron McGovney's apartment address from back in the day. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's actually a new piece of information for me. Yep. Yep. He would get he would get mail and then people Kept getting mail after he moved out of that apartment. The next people moved in, they would get Metallica mail and just have a forwarding address. And that was like a forwarding station. That apartment it was basically <laughs> a forwarding station for Metallica merch and fan stuff for forever. Um, you, yeah, these, um, these influences are very apparent in your creativity now. There is a the childish part of it, which what's funny is to think about listening to these records and everybody's 20 years old. They're 21 years old. They're kids writing these records. You know, the things that we appreciate all about all of them. They're all fucking kids <laughs> writing this. Well, not so much the merciful fake guys, but like, well, okay. They were a little bit older. They were, but they were in their 20, late 20s, early 30. I mean, early, they weren't, they were in their 30s. You know, they, they weren't, they weren't. I was watching King Crimson and Tony Levin's a seventy-year-old man now. Yeah. You know, like like they didn't have fifty years of music under their belts. But the um, thing is, is that's a hang-up too that some guys get locked into. Though, is that like I can't do this if I'm not young? There's plenty of artists that didn't blossom until they were like thirty, sure. forty, fifty. I mean, like look at Samuel Jackson. He didn't get his first movie role. He was like forty-five. Yeah, but that's acting. But I'm just saying, equate that no. to anything. And there's musicians that do that too. Sure. You sure. Know. No, of course, of course there are. I I just think it's I, I think that there's something that happens Ac- acting I I can't I can ne- I can't relate acting to musicianship. It's the vigor of youth is basically what people think that they can't do it, but that they because they have to be like 20 or something to be able to like do this. You don't have to be 20. You can be any age. No. Yes, you can be any age, but if you don't have, you can't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's a part of my brain that tells me you can't be a, if, if you're not Steve Vai at 20, you're not going to learn to be Steve Vai at 50. If you're not a Hetfield at 20, like he was, you're not going to be a Hetfield at 50. I don't think, I, I think that there's a, a natural, there, there is something intrinsic in someone, just like there are people who are going to be skilled carpenters and there are people that are going to be painters. The, the, the guy who is a Mason and is just f- f- fit for being a Mason is going to be a horrible painter. He could become a really good painter if he does designates 30 years, but he is not going to be the person that could do that without much practice at 20. Like there, there is just, 
specific traits and things to be. And that's one thing for me, I'm not a natural musician. I'm a mechanic. Taking things apart, putting it back together, understanding physics, understanding force on the ground, real-time manipulation of interactions of two bodies is where my brain I mean, I fire on all cylinders. I yeah, just, I watched you solve this Rubik's Cube on your own sitting right here. <laughs> I can do that too. I like Rubik's Cubes. I love them. But, it's but, a pattern. But, but you know, uh, just figuring out hand manip... You know, that's why I'm a mechanic. That's my day job. You know, I had to work really hard to be a musician. You, you, you illustrated the same thing. I, but I recognize that the, the same amount of passion and time and effort I've put in to someone like who, who picked up, you know, they have it, they have it at that age, man. Like, like there is there it's, it's almost inescapable. No, like at 20, I mean, it was undeniable that I was a guitar player. Right. You know, like I was in it hard 20. Um, I could not be stopped and I could not, that, that, that vigor held out to 30-ish, like 32, like I'm just that bigger. This is like literally what I do. And I was doing it. I was you know, playing in bands, doing stuff, uh, touring, um, you know, got some international stuff in there, um, you know, some really big crowds and stuff. But like at 32, I, I my, my priorities shifted. But the thing was, is like, yeah, I wasn't a talented musician, you know, initially, but I became that because what I did was I leaned into my strength. My strength was being able to assimilate information and understand it and then translate it and turn it into my own thing. And I learned how I learn. And I've used that less life lesson and everything. But yeah, I felt like a guitar player and I knew that's what I was going to do at 20, though. Of course, and I think there's there's a, it's a combination of aptitude. Uh, there's definitely some uh, you know circumstance in there too. You know, I happen to come from a musician family, just as you did, yep. where it was in the house. Um, but I was way like definitely an outlier. But at like 32, I my priority shifted. I wanted to like actually have a life. It was a lonely life that I had at that yeah. touring all the time because yeah, I got to travel all over the world, been to five continents. Well, it's what made you a road dog. Yeah, uh, but the thing was, is I had no like, like roots. Mm. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like I had like a life. But you felt that you needed them. But I just like I said before, one of the key lessons of my youth, taught by someone that did not practice it, is balance. Well, right. Yeah, balance yeah. in all things. Well, sure, I can do both. I can have a life and I can tour. I just have to like dedicate the time to one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's interesting. You, you noticed the lack of it once you were without it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my priority shifted a little bit and it's something I wanted to make a priority in my life. But it didn't stop your music Absolutely or your not. creation or it, expression. It did, it did focus it. Correct. Well, play something. Show show us the. Uh, I, w- I want to hear about dads beating up other dads. <laughs> that song was brilliant, and you showed it to me earlier. And I said, "Can you yeah, can we- you play this on the podcast?" And you went, "Fuck yeah, I'll play anything." Uh, this is the type of music that I love. This is the type of of projects and ideas and expression that this is like a thing that wells up inside of it me. It warms my soul. 
it wells up inside of me, and I have to get it out. That's why I do commercials. This I do the same thing. I love, dude. I do. We do a lot of the same things. Like I'll make shitty, weird commercials, just because I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this. I'll find it. It's in here. <laughs> um, I had a. I'll just play something in the meantime. I had a, a a surf song that I did, and then I made a Nintendo version of it. You were telling me you wanted. You were doing a surf project. I am. I am. <laughs> Wait, here is the good part. Music to fuck to. 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 And then it goes, it goes... <laughs> See, that's just the new the new pump pulse. Well, what we did was, is we were gonna use. I was gonna make eight bit songs uh, for this the band I'm in called Lecherous, and we were gonna do a two a two D scroller like a side scroller, and we were just gonna be called. Basically, what's gonna happen is the premise of the game was we run out of beer and we have to go get some, but we wander into a Trader Joe's, and the, the name of the game was gonna be called Lecherous Clash at Trader Joe's. We try to fight our way out. We have to fight like hipster bosses and stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. It's all inside. Of, yeah, yeah. And we like throw the Constitution at them. It's, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and just like no one was safe. Like, like I yeah. make fun of everyone. Correct. Nobody in my life is safe. Like everyone will get it. I'm finding it. I would have this queued up. Um, you want to hear the song about how my dad's rad, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll play a different mix of it this time so you get a little bit of flavor. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. This one's different. It's a little more realized. Well, daddy is mad. Daddy oh, no. Is Not this one. Oh, oh the daddy's gonna beat you up. Yeah, I love this song. Yeah. This you is know you've been bad. Now you'll be sad. Cause daddy yells are coming down the mountain. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, you want. Uh... My dad can beat up your dad. Oh. Snowflake. That's the answer. <laughs> I was in a shit mood, man. Like I was doing retail at that point. Oh. This was I wrote this toward the end of my retail career and I was yeah. just tired of people. Yeah, man. And I was tired of like I hate all ex- people of like extreme political views. You know, if you swing one way hard, I'm just not into you. The world is gray, people. Pretty little snowflake, delicate little cupcake, tell me now, what's your problem today? Some set you off, really piss you off, did you not get your own way? Well, I know a way, we can settle our differences today, I can show you. I love the vocal fry here. I know a better way, cause my dad can totally beat up your dad. My dad can totally beat up your dad. Cheers, everybody. My dad is five along. Your dad is Pepperidge Farms. My dad's strong like Hercules. Your dad sits down when he pees. Cause my dad can totally beat up your dad. My dad can totally. 
yes, that, my friends, brings me so much joy. I when I I literally hear that and I get goosebumps. I feel incredibly happy on the inside. Were you into computer plays. gaming? A hundred percent. Okay, I in did, the nineties. Uh, yes. No. This is the, this is exactly what I'm gonna do. Um, Game Changer Audio Pedal. One thing they do for Pedal Wars of Doom is I review pedals. Game Changer sent me a pedal. Okay, so it's a legend. There's a dark legend. There was a game that came out, and the soundtrack for that game was just savage. Like you could take the. What game was it? You're gonna. I'm gonna give it to you. You're gonna have to okay, guess it. Okay. Okay. I won't okay. tell you the game, but you could take the disc and you could put it in your CD player, and if you skip track one, it would play the soundtrack. You just don't say it. Like, uh, and so. Game Changer, one of the things that they did to get those, he ran the guitars through it, the drums through it, everything for that record, is he created a distortion device out of a plasma tube. It was a big, great, big old one, and this guy, the guy that did it, literally created it and recorded it through it, and it's been legend to get that sound. You just couldn't get that sound, and I love that sound for the guitar. So, fast forward to like last year, Game Changer Audio comes out with a pedal called the plasma drive, which is a recreation of that circuit, and I they get me one, and I do a review of it. So what I did was, in honor of the legacy of the effect that they had recreated and reintroduced into the world, that's Quake Two, buddy. I ran the synths through it, the drums through it, everything. Hear the synths in the background, you doing thing? Even the counter melody I got is there. Here it goes. Hear <laughs> the bass in there too. I did that in order yeah. of like that effect for that video. That video right. got some play too. That was a good video. I really like the game changer stuff. That I have a metal board for like playing like progressive stuff that I do. I have a board that I created for that, and that thing is front and center. Like one of the cool things that I'm doing when I go to Texas too is through Pedal Boards of Doom. One of the things that we offer, if you go to uh, the Facebook group Pedal Boards of Doom, it's the best thing on Facebook. It literally is. I mean, that's just if you're into music gear, it is a music gear junkies paradise. There's yeah. 70,000 people in that group. And like they give like companies give us stuff to review and stuff, but that's, um, I'm like the metal progressive guy because the other guys are, are like, one's like a blues dad, which is perfect. I mean, we all have like, one's guys yeah. that does electronica through pedals. And then the other is kind of like a, like a rock guy. And then I tend to be like the metal, like more progressive. I do the surf stuff sometimes too because I'm kind of like the more of the outreach stuff. Um, but by God, I mean, game changer audio front and center. I've got this, like, uh, but I'm going to, I got sidetracked by the awesomeness of the game changer plasma drive. I'm going to Texas because one of the things we do through Pedal Boards of Doom is we offer a pedal board building service. Yeah. So um, 
and we have a store too. You can actually go to the store and we sell pedals, like cool stuff. Um, but I'm going to pick up my pedal board, which has been built for me. I sent my pedals down. My pedal board for like my everyday, just my sound. There's a, it's a few mainstays that have been there since the 90s, dude. Like, uh, first pedals I got was a, I got a box wah. I got a green Russian Big Muff. Yep. The big old cast iron oh, yeah. one, right? Um, still have both, but, um, the green Big Muff is still on my board. Of course, it's not the one because I had to retire that, but it's an, it's just, it's a, a big I, I bought another one. Yeah. No, but it's legit. Like, same year. I have a Digitech Whammy one. That I've had since then. Yep. Those things are tanks, and those are linchpins. Like, if I just had those two pedals, a Big Muff and a Whammy, I could get by. Um, Proco Rat, you know, I have, a like, a original Proco Rat that I bought back then, and that was there. It's not on my board now, but it goes um, Pitchback Tuner, which I've just used forever, and it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, a Dynacomp that was gifted to me. Sure. I always, always on. Compression is always on for me. Um, I lost a lot of my drive pedals because I switched over to uh, doing an AB switcher where I have a Fender Bassman for my clean tone, and I have a EVH 5153 for my dirty tone, and then like super dirty tone. So a lot of that's in the amp. But um, And then I use like the drive pedals I do have just get used to the clean amp. But you are on stereo amps. Uh, They're not stereo. I I AB them. Well... Oh, but they will both. You'll never run both at the same time. I can. Time. I can run both okay, at the same okay. time, but it's not like split or anything like okay, that. Um, okay. So you wouldn't have a bounce back court effector. No, I don't really get that deep into delays. Um, so it goes uh, com- uh, tuner, compressor. I'm just trying to remember, there's a bunch of shit on there. Um, into my wah, which is uh, currently is a Tom Morello crybaby wah. Yep. Um, I, I felt like a piece of socialist propaganda was needed. Um, I almost, there's a company called Green Child Effects that makes a thing called the MAGA Drive. <laughs> no, dude, super, super Trumper, man. But like, and like, he's kind of like an internet dick too. Um, but, uh, I, but it's a good pedal. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Boost, it's, it's good. It was, he makes good pedals, though his, he's just a, a peen, but, um, he made a MAGA Drive and I wanted to get it just to like, kind of balance out the board. You know what I mean? Cause I got With this the piece Socialist propaganda. It's just like an '80s crybaby, which I like. Uh, into the Digitech Whammy, which is key. I use it on tons of stuff, dude. And I have, I have every incarnation of the Whammy, all of them. And but the one they didn't do any better than that. Like literally, it's perfect. It's low maintenance. It's smaller, like a way smaller footprint. Um, Green Russian Big Muff. I have a, a TS eight hundred eight. Uh, Tube Screamer, an original one. I have, but I also have the TS9 and the TS10. The overdrive spot on my board is it depends on my mood. Right, I'll swap that out on a whim. Um, sure, but I just wanted to like have like everything like all the cool effects I've used so I could summon any of those sounds that I wanted. Right. Yeah. Um, but I had this built by my buddy Vince, and he DeJoya. In uh, he's in Colleen, Texas. Uh, with his his company is called Vagabond Audio, but he built me like he got like I sent him my power supply, I sent him everything. But he's recabling everything, he's cleaning it all up, he's putting on a pink pedal board that glows. Um, and I'm picking that up when I'm down there. I'm gonna drive from San Angelo to Colleen and grab it if the roads are open and all that. They stuff. should be with 65 down there today. 
Yeah. Um, but you know, they don't have the infrastructure to handle all the chaos. So, Oh, oh I'm, I'm well aware. I actually, so I was supposed to have a, uh, I was going to be doing another podcast last night. Um, with a childhood friend of mine who she lives in Texas, um, lives in Houston, works for NASA as a spacewalk trainer. Nice. Um, and I was going to, you know, she podcast with her last night. We postponed it to next week because she's with, been without power for like five days. Yeah, Something Vince is like without in, power. In uh, Well, I think it's back now, but um, he... Uh, no, I'm picking up my pedal board, which is awesome. You it's, have to. It, it's yeah. just, oh my god, dude, pedal boards of doom. It's the coolest thing. Is I it? love my pedal board. That that fucker's hand built. I I built every second. Oh, I've built my own pedal boards too. But it's just, it's really cool. Like one of the things that I've found in life is it's, re- and I'm gonna this will lead into the other stuff. But like, is that when you give an artist something like me and you build pedal boards, right? But is that like what is that our passion? Oh no. I gave my pedal board to a dude who's that's his passion. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't give him much direction. I just told him like I had some specific needs because my pedal board is very utilitarian. I use a long board, not a thick board, because I want the stuff laid out. Because I sing and I play, and I'm a mic stand and stuff. But like I want, you don't want to have to reach over a pedal to press another pedal. You want to go that one that I because a lot of times when I use modulation, it's like always on. Um, like I have uh, uh, a Mr. Black Solid State Echo Chamber, which I really like. Um. I have a solid gold effects surf rider, a three. It's the they're like spring reverb. Yeah, um, I love that. A, too. a true spring reverb. It's not real. I have oh, real oh. ones at home because I played surf right. So like I've got like the Fender reverb right. tanks yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, I have a space echo, like a real one. Oh really? Yeah. Um, oh, those I, are badass. It's actually it's the the RC two hundred one. It's uh, actually on loan to a producer friend of mine because he wanted to use it to run. Some why do you levels. Why do you think Digitech gets so much hate? Because I love them. I have a Digitech pedal here that I I have my-, my first multi effect that really kind of woke me made me woke to pedals was an RP seven a Digitech RP seven. Yeah. I still have it. It's still I still play with it. Um, I use uh, a lot of times for like some of the stuff that's coming up. Mine's the RP two fifty. Nice. I know the RP250. I rock it. I mean, that, that's been my pedal for like nine years, dog. Dude, like I've had the, the RP7 since I was knee high to a grasshopper, man. Is, uh, and the thing is, I, 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 I traded it off for a really cool amp. I traded it off for a soft te- or a, a Red Bear, mm. which was basically like a Marshall clone. That yeah, was yeah. super awesome. I melted that amp and then subsequently bought the RP7 back, but... um. I asked this question on Pedal Boards of Doom, but it resonated good. You've never truly owned a pedal until you have bought that pedal, you have sold that pedal, and then you have to buy that pedal again. Then you've truly owned it. <laughs> that's my super chorus, boss. Nice. CH1 yeah. super chorus. Yeah, that's, those are great. <laughs> um, I have, a, 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 I really like the small clone. Oh, yeah. I use that. I use that. That was on my uh, mainstay on my pedal board for years. Um one of the things I like to do too is like if you listen to my music, is there's like metal stuff, so I use like an EVH to dirty it up. But like, there's also like a lot of rockabilly, a lot of surf, uh, various influences. When I write music, it tends to be a hodgepodge of like stuff that I do. But um, I put an Afterneath on there, an Earthquaker Devices Afterneath for like a super deserty kind of dreamy rockabilly sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, line six, I'm, I'm talking with them about getting the Helix Stomp because I'm thinking about replacing all my delays with the Helix Stomp or like a, a, we work with Eventide too, so I'm talking to them about an H9. I've heard the H9 is supposed to be pretty neat. It is. Eventide stuff is pretty cool just in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, I'm thinking about replacing all the modulation effects with that because then I just have presets and just bang, 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 and then I can clean up the board a that, little bit. That's actually what I use the, the RP254. Yeah. Is I have a couple presets where all, all I do is basically it's varying levels of compression. Very is that vary- for your bass? Is like a bass yeah. ring? Yeah. Um, well, I can see how like that stuff too. Because like some of the stuff on yeah, all this this pedal board is just for my bass. The yeah. RP two fifty was like one of the like the, some of the flaws with some of the like the more silver based or like Digitech stuff was the fact that they were very tinny sometimes. Sure. But on a bass, I can see that not being a bad thing because it's never going to get too tinny enough to be harsh, but it's going to be tinny enough to be heard. Yeah. You know, like, Correct. Uh, so I, I'm very, like, there's a reason I'm on pedal boards of doom because I'm super into pedals. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the cool things, too, with the access to that granted me is I've had a signature pedal built. Well, you have a signature pedal built and you're having a signature guitar built. And I have signature pickups. <laughs> Go. Uh, uh, so... Uh, there's a pedal builder. I'm super into pedals, deep, like balls deep. Yeah, beyond balls, like you're stuffing the balls in there too. Because I mean, it's just like you're just yeah, getting it's, in. It's, it's it's balls, chode, ass, and dick, all in all the, the pedals. things, all the things. So a little bit of inner thigh. <laughs> so one of the cool things about moving to Portland was the fact that some of the best pedal board build pedals <laughs> builders are here, are, like are here. Yeah. Um. But there was one guy that worked. He worked for Sub Decay for a while. And now mm-hmm. he kind of does other thing, and he kind of freelances. I came across one of his pedals randomly. I actually did a review on it on Pedal Boards of Doom. It's uh, his name is Brandon Shock, and it's uh, his company is called Shock Rock Pedals. Okay. His name is S C H O C K. So that's Shock. Um, I was in Old Town Music in Portland. And I had walk. I just blasted through the door, and you know they have the little like local slash used pedal section. It's like yeah. right to the left. Yep. I yep. look over and I see a tuna can, like a big thick tuna can. I look on it, and it's like a hand printed, like piece of paper that's like taped to the top, called the Whoop Ass Drive. But it's it's a legit tuna can, round tin yeah. can. Yeah, it's been painted and graphic. And on the back, it says, please do not open contains Chuck Norris beard hair for added magic. And it was 40 It was forty bucks. And I was like, hey, can can you grab that for me? Like, oh, you want to try it out? I'm like, no, I'm just going to buy it. I don't, give, I don't give a shit. Did it have a button on top? Yes. No, it was fully, like a full pedal. But Okay, right, right. But was it just one button? Or No, like- it has knobs and switches. It's probably one of the better... Overdrives. If I felt like the the actual structure of it, uh, but we'll get into this too. But if the actual structure of it was sound enough, I would use it. I use it for recordings all the time. But anyway, I see this, and I'm like, holy shit! And I'm doing these pedal reviews for pedal boards of doom, and it's like I'm just getting my teeth, my just getting, you know, my you know my yeah. my dick wet, so to speak. Sure. And like, uh, I I reach out to him through Instagram. I find him on Instagram, and I was like, hey man, dude. Whoop ass drive is savage. Um, you know, I'm gonna do a review of it, so give me your info and I'll make sure I like pump your shit. 
Anyways, he proceeds to just bombard me with all this other cool stuff. And then we find out, like, I send him some, like, I do sculptures and weird art shit all the time. So I send him some of that stuff. He sends me a whole bunch of other pedals that he's built that I didn't know. And, I mean, this guy's blowing my mind left and right. He built a big Russian, like, a ram's head big muff in a fucking, like, ram's head skull that's, like, this big. He did an ammo can. He's like, I don't even know what I did to that. And it's just, like, this crazy pedal, right? Like, modulation, delays, craziness. All sorts of like, but very always usable. Like no matter how out there he gets, it's supremely usable. Really? Like because some of like like, and he's doing all all of it solid state. Yeah, I mean, he's, some of the stuff he's like is is tube. I mean, oh like, really? A couple. He started branching into that. We actually played with the proto. I was at his house. Uh, if you go to Lil George Granoth on YouTube, uh, you're gonna start seeing reviews drop or videos drop of me with that. Interviewed him, and I did a bunch. He showed me a bunch of his pedals because he's got a new pedal line coming out. And the thing is, is this guy makes like, he'll do like six different pedals and he'll only make 10 each of them. And they sell out within minutes. If that's not a testimonial to like this guy's pedals. So I, I approached him later down the line. I mean, we actually, I did some work with him and I saw his insanity. And I told him kind of, you know, what I was looking for. And he, I'd seen some other stuff and he built me a pedal based off the preferences and stuff. Um, it's called the super. Fu- it's called the super awesome fun pedal experience, and uh, it's it's about I don't know like a foot long, maybe like two inches wide, and it's a fuzz and a delay that play well together, and it has a swell switch, like a swell switch, a momentary switch, and then the other is the time knob that's about two inches in diameter. You can roll with your foot. Oh, like 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 a, like the end of a beer can. Yeah, and it's uh. It's pretty awesome. Have you have you actually played? Through I have. It yet? I have it at home. Oh, yeah. I've already. I already. Uh, I commissioned it, and uh, he built it. And uh, one of the things too is uh, the the whoop ass drive. He actually turned into uh, one of his pedals. It became the Beast Boost. Really? Um, and then he's making a few pedals. I bought. And like this is one of those things too that I wouldn't let him do it for free. I don't mind paying artists to yeah. do their art. And yeah. uh, so I bought one of all but one. He did all, all the pedals that he's doing this year. I got all but one. And it's mainly like a thing that I don't like. Um, Debbie Evers, who's another amazing Portland-based pedal builder, would do a lot of pedals with the, the um, little joystick controls. Uh, I hate them. Yeah, yeah. They don't appeal to me. And he made one like that. He's like, it's called the Joy and Sorrow. It's a rad pedal. But that's just for whatever reason, the joysticks does not appeal to me. Yeah, you want knobs. Um, but he, he's doing like the beast boost. He's doing a delay that's sort of based off of the delay that he put in my pedal. Um, I bought one of each of those. Um, he's doing a chorus called the ocean man. Really? And it's the coolest, stupid chorus. I mean, he's doing like, uh, I've got one of those They're They're going and then there's a few more that I just kind of picked up. Um, those are the ones I remember. <laughs> um, I, I am a, f- I am such a fan of a chorus pedal. It's the best chorus. And basically, it's uh, uh, got this Lovecraftian piece of art on it, a lot of different modes and stuff. And um, there was an artist uh, who goes by... Um, I can't remember his... Gosh, I'm sorry, dude. You got me drinking whiskey and losing hey, my mind. it's all right. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad you're here for it. Um Let's see here. Can't remember his hand. See, it's Michael McLennan. I know that. I just can't. Oh, he goes by Moon Toboggan. Um, 
but he did the art for Ocean Man. So fast forward um, a couple weeks. I have a. If you ever watched Buried Alive? Oh yes. Um, that's Charles, right? So like, oh, him. No, 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 no. It, it gets even better. I found out who made that really crazy guitar for him that he did. The one that glows in the dark and has like the crazy inlays and stuff. Really? So it's a it's a company called Lionheart. I reach out to Lionheart, right? And I'm like, hey, I saw Charles's guitar and it's just absolutely bananas. And it, it speaks to me. So I'm like, what? Let's do something. You know, whatever. What do we can do? Um, I told him kind of like I kind of mentioned, uh, um, you know, pedal boards of doom, and I sent him some links, and they would just explode. They're like, oh, awesome, dude! What do you want? What do you want us to do? And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so I started designing this car. It's gonna be like eight string, multi scale, pink. Uh, it's gonna be a pink guitar. It's gonna be a pink guitar with <laughs> rainbows, and it's gonna have me riding a Falcor. Um, <laughs> that's the signature pickups I'm having made by Fletcher Pickups. They're called Luck Dragons. Because um, my other ones are called Necromancers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to do that. But I reached out to Moon Toboggan to Michael because he did such cool artwork for Brandon that he's doing all the artwork for that guitar. Like he's going to do all the inlays, uh, all the the graphics and everything, the whole thing. I commissioned with him a couple of days ago. And so how did me. so? You said you before. You said you kind of uh, sold him on the guitar. How did you get? The building you a guitar pulled off as your signature. I just sent him signature signature. I sent him videos of you playing of my YouTube stuff. I've oh. been pumping out YouTube content for for a while now. So I just picked like the the top five, and then I sent him like track lists or like links. I sent him about like seven different things in there, and they just like absolutely, man. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked, man. It's like, uh, I don't know if it's something like they're going to produce, you know, after they make me one, but they might. But they're making you one. Yeah, and they made one for Charles from Buried Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that guy's insane. Oh, and, he is absolutely And I'm like, insane. I kind of do stuff like that, but like less like EDM and mm-hmm. a little bit more like metal. Yeah. Well, I I, I heard your, your couple of... Well, your gent track you played me, that's... uh, That was a pretty basic B, like, the gent track, but that's kind of get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of getting the idea, we've discussed... I'll let you pick the song. Yeah, I (laughs) I did. I I don't tell me. I kind of know, but... All right. Let's do it. We're playing Merciful Fate. We've talked about these. These guys are the impetus to many modern 80s growing metal bands. Um... I always wish they... that I could do the high. Oh, I can real do the low, um, like uh, um, King Diamond, you know, <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, I will open the door, you know, like, but I can't do the high King Diamond. But it's kind of like I would do more Merciful Fate songs, but like, like play them. But um, it's like if you're doing BG covers and you can only do low Barry Gibb, you can't do high Barry Gibb, then what's the fucking point? Why no one wants why? to hear low no. Barry Gibb, you know, they no. want to hear high. I hope I got this drop right. I think you did. A little early. That's all right. That's the end of Evil. Yeah. Track three is my jam. 
Really? Oh, yes. Into the coven? I'm a track two guy. Dude, Chris Farrow's a track. You'll get no complaints from me. This wasn't a bad plus spot to come in either. I know. What a great chord progression. I remember being like 12 and just rocking these riffs. Out of Gibson Flying V. I love the modulating chord progressions. This was like a taste in the music theory, but still metal and it's so accessible. And again, like you said, the dueling guitars. wants to hear Lomers. Melissa's really good too. I like oh. Melissa, yeah. The best. Melissa. I love how they do like the backbeat uh, come in again. Yeah, because they're making you feel real smooth yeah. right here. But then they start stepping up. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant band. getting a new sleeve done soon like Buddy Mine's tattoo artist and the shoulder piece is this guy you know that I wouldn't tattoo a band on me but Merciful Fate is one of those bands I've saved this arm for I'm doing my 13 my top 13 nice. and so I'm going to have a tribute to all thir- my 13 favorite bands basically I love how both the guitar players are lead guitar, lead guitar, lead bass. And even there, everybody got together and did the same thing. Made it tight.
Merciful fucking brilliant. Fate. Merciful fate. Yeah, brilliant is exactly the term. And thank you, sir, for bringing it. It is. Oh, it is the best. What a great variety. 180 of, gram, too, dude. Uh, it's the good stuff. I try, I try and make sure that every record I get is a 180. I really try. They spin so much better. I like, uh, I will like. I really like one of the things I do when I go to stores or their stops or like record stores is I always raid like the seven inches and like the ten inches and the singles and stuff. Um, found some really cool stuff. Oh, I'm feeling like spending another one. Here. Let's do it. Yeah, misfits right away. Yes, yes, sir. Um, this is, a, this is just a. Trying to figure out what song I want to play. <laughs> There's too many good ones, man. Oh, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. I got it. Which one? Five? Yeah. I got it. Oh, there's nine. Yeah, dude, these are short songs uh, done in low quality, right. brother. <laughs> you're right, so it needs to be right. Hey, you got the bird's eye view. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I put that lamp here, so I can get actual good straight down. Nice. Oh. All right. All right, yeah, hit it. So here we go. <laughs> I hope I got a good drop. Oh. Nailed it. <laughs> It's a go go music. I'm going to Texas in honor of Texas. Fucking right. Like the Misfits are a part of my musical awakening. Yes. Nice Galactic Bisbeach tribute band called Death Comes Ripping. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That, what a beautiful name. <laughs> That's a, that is the perfect name. That's a great song, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has pop sensibilities. It's catchy. It's really easy. Digestible. Yeah. I mean. And yeah. it's, it is as much energy as you want. Like. <laughs> fucking amazing and these are the best like this is about as good as it gets for misfits recordings like yeah um they were done definitely on the cheap (laughs) 
but it's magic. I mean, some guys like the Ramones. You know, I like the Misfits. I'm, I'm very much Misfits over Ramones for sure. Um, Ramones kind of had that same pop sensibility, though. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I also like Danzig's first record a lot. Um, I just thought it was brilliantly put together, sure, poignant. Um, plus, uh, John Christ is just ridiculous. Oh yeah, like oh, yeah. he's a monster man. Um, speaking of, well, no, this is going to be a complete segue, uh, non sequitur. Altogether. I'm tired of talking about myself. That's okay. We need to do some meditation anyway. I think we need to collect, focus in, and participate. Hey, welcome back to Falco's 90 minute meditation hour. I'm your astrally projected inner truth self. And part-time janitor, Falco. All right, my astral friends, start by closing your eyes. Sit on your root chakras and let's meditate. We're all like tiny rocks in space. Yeah, like asteroids. (laughs) Fun game. But in astral energy planes. But watch out. There's negative quantum energy parasites. And they are like, the most dangerous astral energies in the entire energy plane. If one tries to attack you astrally, symptoms are usually either a light or a heavy head, uh, headaches or belly aches, blurry vision, itchy feet, or strange thoughts. To correct your energy polarity flow, Quantumly orient your crown, root, and heart chakras whilst gazing your third eye toward the sacred energy cluster. Conjunct Jupiter and Uranus and cast out the negative planar energy bacteria until the brain butter is clear and no longer hazy. Then, the most important step. Oh, that looks like that's the end of the show. Wow, I'm good at this. Until next time, Space Invaders friends. <laughs> Alright, dude. There's some there's some meditation for you. Um, do you guys I as you some of you probably already know, I do rap songs and I did a rap song about Raleigh about Walmart. Please. Here it comes. Welcome to Wally World. Welcome to the destination station where the train wrecks seek their recreation at Wally World. Where the honeys are cheap and the food is cheap and life is cheap at Wally World. Ice cream sandwich. Hot fat girls in yoga pants. Hot fat girls that make me dance. Hot fat girls get it done. Hot fat girls are tons of fun. My hot dog could fill your bun. Fill your face then in Wally World! <laughs> oh. Give me that welfare check, honey. You can't cash a check to get the sauce to get wrecked. Now with the flyest kicks, you get all the respect. Where the super fly honeys, they don't wear no draws. Where the tweakers in the parking lot, looking to score. It's where I go to get the pills to get my dick hard. It's where I go to get the rims for my shitty car. It's where I go when I get lonely. When I fall off that horse, I'm gonna ride that pony and find them. Item 69, I'm at Wally World. <laughs> you 
can get head from the living dead at Wally World. <laughs> How much flesh can you pack and spend decks at Wally World? About 35,000 kilojoules. There, she's an emotional wreck at Wally World. Wally World. Saw her in the hot dog aisle. She gave me a toothless smile. Time to get a gummy bear. No standards, I just don't care. Gotta get me a blue-haired rascal riding mama with the welfare check and all the family drama. Got a super fly honey with diabetes. Super stretch goosey for my penis. Putting in shirt on my 40, gotta keep it cold. Putting Clorox on a tamper, cut the smell of mold. Don't get butt hurt, cause your pussy don't work. I use the back door when I take a squirt. I actually have a trucker hat that says Wyandum Dynam 69. I'm wearing it to Texas. <laughs> How much flesh can you pack and spend decks at Wally World? 34,000 jewels. <laughs> Your mom works there, she's an emotional wreck at Wally World. Wyandum Dynam 69, I'm at Wally World. You can get head from the living dead at Wally World. How much flesh can you pack and spend decks at Wally World? 34,000 jewels. Your mom Consistent. Works there. She's 32 last time. At Wally World. Welcome to Wally World. Welcome to the destination station where the play out like dance break. Wally World. Where the honey's on cheap and the food is cheap and life is cheap at Wally World. Welcome to the destination station. Where the train wrecks in their recreation at Wally World Where the honey's are cheap and the food is cheap and life is cheap Because life is cheap at Wally World Because <laughs> the food is cheap and life is cheap at Wally World I love that Dude, I Yeah, the, the level of creativity um, the, <laughs> is, And again, the childish nature the, the, the willingness to make the jokes And not only make the joke but then, really, really like live it, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it to the next degree, and then the next degree, and then oh, you didn't quite get the joke. Let me let me retell it one more time, and it's still a good joke. And I, oh my god, it's, it's just it, a talent it, it, I have. It, well, it's a Monty Python esque style. I grew of, up on Monty Python, you know. But yeah. it's like I've always been able to get away with shit, dude. Like I don't, I can say some heinous stuff. I wrote a song where it was called Darlin. And the chorus was, darling, you're rapable, duct tapable, and I'm overly capable. Uh, your lips are sinkable. My cock is your dirigible. Whoa, 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 darling. I want to make sweet hay to you. <laughs> and people loved it. <laughs> it was that's heinous. Yes. That is some messed up stuff. I want... I, um, I wrote, I wrote one tune, but that's the beautiful. I, I want to say that's the beautiful thing about music and expression is we, by being open to expression, we are creating avenues to express oneself. It is, it is why people went to jail for stand-up comedy. It's why people went to jail and got kicked out of states for playing music that was banned and kept fighting against this. It's why, uh. What's his fuck from Twisted Sister went in front of Congress and talked to oh, him. Oh, D. For, Snyder. D. Snyder went in front. Snyder's of, awesome. Went in front of Congress and talked to yeah, him. Yeah, wrecked to him, dude. They did not. They underestimated no, of him. Of course, like, they to did. their dismay. Dude. And that is the point of being able to write, being able to create, 
music that is expressive. It is not hate. There's a difference between hate and just expression. And yeah, that's just like I've, I've got one. I'm one song away from releasing a record. It's been what I've been working on for the past probably twenty years. Is occasionally I get these heinous songs inside of me, and I have to get them out. Like I cannot stop thinking about them. I wrote one that my wife actually had to like badger me to record called "I Kiss My Sweetie with My Fist," and obviously it's not like you know. <laughs> And it's like this song, but it's like it's so ridiculous. The joke is, it's so ridiculous that if you take it seriously, you're the fucking idiot. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, like, uh, like, uh, like, well, like to the point where this, like, the story was this guy beats his wife, right? And it, every time it just gets worse, and he just keeps doing it. Like when I get my ass out of jail, I'm gonna give that bitch face hell because I kiss my sweetie with my fist. Cause she's a bitch. It's, it's like not serious, but like the end of it, the last verse was always my favorite. Is like, um, uh, well, I hope that bitch she's burning in hell. I hope that bitch she's burning well. Gonna shoot myself, go to the fiery place. I'm gonna punch that. Un- you know, like it's just like you know, yeah, like it takes him there. Like like he has like is so into it that he has to kill himself so yeah. he'll go to hell so he can hit her again. Yeah, you know, uh, if that you think that seriously, you're the idiot. You exactly. Know? That I, that that is Charlie Daniels. That is canned heat. That is yeah. There's there's some extreme examples of like David Allen Coe. David Allen Coe is a great one. Um, yeah, yeah, but he took it a little. I think. Well, he, David was, Allen Coe maybe lived a little bit too much of it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be uh one of the the uh, I used to box in high school and one of the the nicknames they had was Goodnight Granoth. Because I was really good. It's just this gift. I can knock people out really good. Because I'm burly. I'm just a big, burly, yeah. sweet kid. But, like, it's going to be Good Night Granoff's top 10 career enders. Like, all my career ending songs. And I, uh, this one's not so quite at career ender level, but uh, this is called uh, The Ballad of Tasty Pasty. Oh, I love that. <laughs> The clave. Yeah. I was a bass player before I was anything. Dub, 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 dub. 
boys. All the boys. All the lovely boys. They love, 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 love tasty pasty. This song was directly inspired by another song, but like it's band recorded a record last year and one of the songs Retris? yeah one of the songs was called lady bow which is about a scientist type fellow the love of his life dies so he decides to resurrect her but he wants to give her he wants to make her better he wants to build her back better so he gives, Who her, wouldn't? He gives her a penis so it's called lady bow <laughs>
me scatting through the guitar mic. You can hear me in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's vaudevillian rockabilly Frankenstein. Yeah, that's Alice. <laughs> that's Alice Cooper meets Tom Waits meets Volbeat meets. I wanna touch you, but I better not touch. Don't touch. <laughs> meets Prince. Like that was that was good, man. Uh, I I I just love like bizarre. There was a band called Man Man that came out when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I just I still like I'll buy anything to do. It's a dude named Honus Honus. Actually, weirdly enough, uh. Did you know uh, the uh, P.J. Franco in Anchorage? He was a drummer in Anchorage. Uh-uh. He had a band called P.J. Franco and the Burnouts, and he was like the singer. Uh, amazing musician. He actually plays with like Honus Honus now in L.A. Oh, really? He, he, but he was like a drummer, uh, like uh-uh. a high caliber drummer. Gotcha. Like super, like crazy, like above yeah. us. Like 
Yeah, one and of those. Just a cool guy. One but of like, those. He's just like up there, up there, like, chilling. Just, I mean, he he would he gets up and his snare drum is like tied to him, and he'll run around with his snare drum and just put on a show and mm. entertain people with just a fucking snare drum. Mm. He's one of those guys. Those yeah. guys you love. A to Buddy have. Rich. Uh, yeah, Buddy prodigy. Rich. Yeah, Buddy Rich style. You know, like just gotcha. such a good player that For he sure. cannot be defeated. Sure. All right. Hey, I got a question. I got a a, oh, a, oh, a, got- a three pick. So these are, this is a game called hypotheticals. It is absurd out there. Hypothetical questions. Conversation starter kind of thing. Absolutely. The premise is the unknown companion. Okay. The mind killer or front page fears. Fear is the mind killer. Which one do you want? Front page news. Front page news. All right. So. Here we go. The other ones seem easy. Defying all expectation, a group of Scottish marine biologists That's an oxymoron. capture a live Loch Ness monster. Okay. In an almost unbelievable coincidence, a bear hunter in the Pacific Northwest shoots a, sca- a Sasquatch in the thigh, thereby allowing zoologists to take furry monster to take the furry monster into captivity. These events happen in the same afternoon. That evening, the president announces that he may have thyroid cancer and will undergo a biopsy later that week. You are the front page editor of the New York Times. Which do you run as the biggest story? Well, that's just a lot. That's more of a logic question. Okay, you have a president who's got some shit we don't care about, and then you've got two mythical creatures. You could do both. You could pair the myths of the mythical creatures that have been captured into one story. So instead of doing just one bullshit story, you get two big stories. And, and then president on page two. Page two for president. Sorry, buddy. All which right. which president? That's the, that's the, that's another. Yeah, that one was too easy. Yeah, that that's another question though. But like, which president are we talking? Because if it's it depends. You know what I mean? Like some are more popular than others. It's for me, it would be if I was a front page editor, it'd be like, what makes the paper more money? That's, mm-hmm. that's what I get with. All right, we're going to do another one. Oh, this pick. one's called The Courier, and okay. it's it's long. Jeez. All right, I'm ready. You are offered a strange job by a New York-based company. It's not a hand job, is it? No. Okay. Every morning at 6 a.m., a car service will come to your home and drive you to JFK Airport. You will then take an 8 a.m. business flight or business class flight to Los Angeles, arriving at roughly 11.30 a.m. in L.A., you will be picked up at the airport and driven to Burbank of, to a Burbank office where you will hand deliver three innocuous documents to the corporation's president. You will then be driven straight back to LAX where you immediately catch a flight to New York. Another car will pick you up at the airport at 9 and deliver you back to your home. This is what you would do every day. Five days a week, wake up in New York, fly five and a half hours to L.A., then immediately fly five and a half hours back. You have to wear dress clothes, but your lunches can be expensed and you would have no other responsibilities while flying. They would pay you, or the pay would be a 10% increase from what you currently earn, but you would need a three-year commitment. Would you take this job? Only if I could get my brain descrambled by a hacker, super intelligent dolphin and iced tea. So, that's a high request. Yeah, but that's Johnny Mnemonic. That's not like sure. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Would I take the job? Absolutely not. 
to just sit in a plane 10 hours a day. I, I am doing exactly what day. I want to be. Um, a 10% increase is not enough to deal with that kind of bullshit. There's not a lot of bullshit. You just go to an airport, you hop on a yeah, plane. Yeah, but you're at an airport and you're on a flight every day. That's some. That's enough bullshit into itself. I guess so. I hate airports. I hate flying. But you're it, going to do that in the morning. I know, but you and can't get... Everything's closed. You can't get... I used to just get Five drunk. and a half hours from now, you're going to be at an airport, dude. I don't give a shit. Five and a half hours from right now. I'm going to be high as fuck, dude, because <laughs> that's the only way to fly. It's going to be miserable. You're going to be in mass. Well, you've had a little bit of scotch... Or, little, or Irish whiskey, I guess not scotch, Irish whiskey. And uh, get high. You will have had a fun time listening to a podcast or doing a podcast. Yeah, I'm just going to get some food and then I'm going to go home and uh, just get my clothes out so I just wake up. Are you going to go to sleep? Yeah. Try and get at least a few hours? Yeah. Um, are, you clo- are you flying out of PDX, right? Yeah. Are you close? Do it. I live in Vancouver, but I'm not far from the I five. Are you on I five side or two hundred five side? I five side. Okay, cool. Um, Oh, so you're not far from here then. It was a 16, 15 minute drive here. Oh, that's fine. Eight of that is just down Columbia. Yeah, it's just like doing the Columbia thing. Um, okay, cool. No, I'm not too worried about it. I just used to be able to like party, you know. Yeah. Get drunk at the airport, get some good eats. It was kind of fun. Talk to I like to, I like talking to strangers. So. I love airport chats, man. Yeah, but now it's like super like you got masks on. I've flown a couple times in COVID, and this is lame. No one wants to, to to chat up with you. No, well, no one wants to do anything. I mean, it's like you can't even get close to somebody, which I get. But it's just it's the dynamic has changed, and everyone's miserable on the plane because plane rides are miserable enough. And then you're just yeah. adding like you're compounding that for sure. I got my um, Kindle. I like to read. I don't feel like I get enough time to do so. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to read Good. some books. Do it. Do it. Listen to some. Yeah. Texas, what, four and a half hour, four hour, or not even, three That's hour flight? Actually, about six hours. Really? It's a ways away, man. Like, well, no way, because I flew. F- I have to fly to Dallas and then Dallas to San Antonio. Oh, you got a layover. Yeah. Because I was going to say, in the air, I flew nonstop from here to Florida, and it was like five and a half hours to Florida nonstop. But I guess you got a layover. Layover. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not super worried about it. I get to get picked up by my second cousin. We're going to have a good time waiting for my dad to get in. So Good. Good. Well, I, uh, I end every show by reading poetry. And not only just any type of poetry, I read nonsensical poetry. Okay. So poems that mean nothing at all, but invoke thought invoke contemplation and invoke curiosity so can i read a poem after you're done too you please i would i would absolutely love for you to read a poem as well all right so this one uh it is untitled uh but i will just go go whimsy trains depart stations as raccoons rambunctiously relegate revelry the twisted pair spirals Spinning spanned sparrows toward ever-ending darkness. Thunder claps and booty slaps. A daisy duke's dreamt demise. But, once in a green moon, while waiting wordless, longing lust lingers. All aboard the slow claps and booty slaps. A twinkle in a child's eye. Whimsy. That's pretty good. Thanks, man. That's Is that yours? Yeah. You write your own poetry and you read it on the show? 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes some t- I have an anonymous uh, contributor who wishes to remain anonymous. He goes by the pseudonym Fitzhugh Willoughby. Um, and he writes some for me as well. Um, but yeah, I write a lot of my own nonsense. Uh, I have to get stuff out of my head, man. We've talked about it a lot this whole time. There are things in your head which you have to get out. Sometimes it comes out in music. Sometimes it comes out in a skit. Sometimes it comes out in um, just any expression I have. And sometimes it's poetry. And it's nonsense. I never rhyme. It never hits a stanza. It isn't really... Uh, tied together you know no i i used to i write poetry too it just is i don't know if i have any on my phone that's okay uh, but i get yeah, no, no, <coughs> poetry was like my introduction to songwriting yeah um and i used to write lots and lots of Lots and lots of poetry, like books full, and then it just turned into like basically my poetry turned into songs. You know, I got I got one really good one. You want to hear it? Yeah, dude, I love poetry. Sometimes it gets veneer. Or, okay, hold on. Blah, 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 blah. Sometimes it gets very maniacal in here, but I find it extremely hard to resist this side of art. Okay, well, I do have one thing. I do have one uh, one poem. Uh, it's. It, I'm just gonna sh- show you the song that it became, and then you can do it from there. But this is all I've got. Have a great night, everybody. Lost in the succulent sounds of Letras. This was a poem that inspired this song. Like I wasn't concerned about rhyming. I wasn't concerned about like um, timber or pacing. You know, it's poetry. I love how freeform poetry can be, dude. Like for real. I like the whimsy one a lot. Thank you. Yeah. This one's called Bad Sam. I love the add of tempo. To it to predicate a poem like this is setting the stage of feeling. Yeah, uh, you'll get it. It's like it's definitely a poem. Oh, of course. Like this, just this is the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. That devil got off his bus. Nowhere's heart was filled with love. He's a dirty junkie, he's a no good mother Everything, all feels the same I love the descending minor
Yes. this poem to practice and it was like Samaritan. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, what was your saying er- earlier? You stay fabulous. Stay fabulous always. Stay fabulous always. Well, all you bad motherfuckers out there that are sitting here three hours and 20 minutes into this yeah, podcast. If you're still here, man, I will I'll kiss. I'm going to kiss you right on the mouth. I would let you have my babies. That's what I would have to say. Regardless of where you <laughs> sit in life, if, you, if you're if you here three hours and 20 minutes into this podcast, you can have my children. Uh, I'm not planning on having any of my own, so please take them. I, every day, almost, I spill millions of seed all over the place. <laughs> Regardless of where I am, I am just wasting it everywhere. So if you want them, feel free pickup. It's better than kittens. Easier maintenance. Start a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> free kids. Uh, Nine-month fertilization process. Nice. Required. Yes. That hurts, my, <laughs> that hurts me to think about. It's so bad. Stay fabulous always, you motherfuckers. Uh, Lowell, thank you for joining, man. Uh, thank you for having me. This has been great. And for my saying that I say at the end of every podcast of mine, drive like you know each other. <laughs>